I've got no worries with wearing around friends, on friends. Oh, don't have I need your best friend. show daring to cover the entire history of Australian Survivor from Whaler's Way right through to the present day. We are back for another episode recap. We are recapping the ninth episode of season one, I Just Feel So Bad, first aired on the 17th of April 2002. And I have got to say, this is a thoroughly enjoyable episode. There is a lot set up in this episode. There is a lot told in this episode. And there is a lot to dissect in this episode. And as always, I'm very, very excited to be able to help chat this episode over with a very esteemed colleague of mine. I first of all better say that my name is Ben, a.k.a. Iron Guts. Hey guys, as always, it's Matt Dyson here doing his best to back up the icon of Survivor Podcasting, Ben Waterworth. Ben, what's this iron gut? Have I missed something here? I don't know if you watched the end of this episode, Matt. Um, there, there, there is a reference to iron guts in this episode, so, you know. Ah, uh, just... Of course, to do with the, uh, the eating the uh, t- 16 fish eyes, I believe. Yes, I, I've always, I've been waiting all season to channel my inner Sophie. And finally, uh, we can finally get that out because we got some Sophie this episode. This is, I think, Sophie's strongest uh, edited episode. But uh, I, I am thrilled that you were you are back for another week. We're coming off the, the back of a great interview last week, our longest ever episode last week with Naomi. Fantastic interview, and uh, I'm I'm very excited for that to still be out there. But I'm also always very excited to be able to to chat about these uh, episodes with you, my friend. How good was that interview with Naomi? I mean, we, we always go into these uh, these interviews excited and and happy to to get these contestants that played all those years ago. Uh, you know, to get them willing to come on and talk about their season. But that Naomi interview it was just great. Um, you know, she's still a big fan of the show. If you if anyone has somehow missed that interview, I highly suggest going back and, and listening to it right now. Um, you know, and and just to hear that she still loves the game and and would still love to play all these years later. Um, you know, she and I, I meant it when I said like she looks the same as what she did all those years ago in Whaler's Way. So um, still fit, could easily go out and play again, and it's um, yeah, as many of these players could. And and today we get to talk about. Craig, there's a lot of Craig content here today, the last remaining Kadena member. But before I go on to this, because, you know, we are going to be seeing the last Kadena member today. And, and of course, we go into the next phase of the game where it's all Tapara, which leads me to a bit of a, 
a bombshell that I need to uh, drop on this podcast. I, ben, I haven't even told you about this yet. We we were talking a little bit off air, and I, I thought I would drop the bombshell live on ASA, and uh, I think maybe I should leave it till the end of the episode, but um, we've, we've got a lot to talk about during this episode, but like I said, we go into that next phase, which is all about Tapara. So the bombshell I've got to drop is about a Tapara member. I'll leave it at that for now, and we'll get to that at the end. So hopefully that's enough to uh, wet your lips, Ben, to get us through the, this uh, recap, and uh, we'll find out what it is. I was thinking that all of a sudden you were you were caving into the the huge demand out there, and you were going to finally show your audition tape and not wait to the <laughs> thousand follows. I thought there was something going on there, but um, I, I'm I'm racking my brain right now. To power members, um, Jeffrey is he on the line right now? Or are you going to pop up a surprise guest or something like that? I I don't even know what I want to guess here. All I'm saying is I'm not giving anything away. I'm just going to say we're moving into a new phase of this of this game at Whaler's Way, and it is all about Tapara, and my bombshell's got to do with Tapara. That's all I'm going to say. So we'll leave it till the end, but uh, we've got so much to talk about now because this episode is a lot to do with Craig. Uh, you know, I think we're going to pay tribute to the last... The, the warrior, as he's known during this episode. Uh, I wish... I, Ben, I wish I got that name on my show uh, in my season, The Warrior. I think you need to last a little bit more than one episode to get called The Warrior. But uh, Craig, he, he, it was his nickname in the end, and I think it's one that uh, would stick to this day if he if he played a game. If you could hold a sword like you can hold a speed camera gun, mate, you can be uh, probably a warrior. I, I'm not too sure. Um, you know, maybe we can get someone to Photoshop a, a sword in your hand instead of that. I'm I'm senior constable warrior Matt Dyson, and I'm here to chop your head off or something like that. I, I really don't know. But um, yeah, look, you're absolutely right. We're, we we are nearly. I'm going to say I'm going to. We'll correct you. We're nearly all about Tapara because it is important that we do have Craig. We this is the Craig mega hour right now because he is the dominant force of this show right now and basically every form of conversation this entire episode revolves around the impact of Craig. Now, we I think we teased a little bit in our last recap episode that we were hoping to be joined by uh, one of our listeners, Matt Carr, who, of course, provided us with a bunch of uh, great photos. He did the chocolate challenge for Craig, and unfortunately, we couldn't get him on this episode today because he's a mad, mad Craig fan. But uh, we are hoping that we'll get him on down the line. So, Matt, if you are listening, and I know you are, uh, I want to send a special shout-out to you because, again, the Craig Mega Variety Hour essentially is coming your way. And it's a shame that you can't be here today to join us for it. And don't forget, listeners, Matt Carr, he he owns the Kadena Tribe flag. And not to mention that, he owns the Warriors Bole cap, the actual cap he wore. Uh, and among, he, he owns a lot of stuff from the show. But this he's a massive Craig fan. He's probably the biggest Craig defender in, in, in the planet Earth, would you say, Ben? I, I would I would say yes, absolutely. Um, I But the one thing I'll say... Going into this episode, um, I was looking very much forward to getting to these string of episodes of this season because I think what you and I have discovered is that there's probably only been one episode this entire season where we've both kind of gone, eh, that was a fairly okay episode. But we've really found positives in so many things about this, this season. But I was always looking forward to getting to this point because Craig really steals the show. We've gone over how he kind of was a bit of a slow burn till he gets to this point. But... I think I always knew, given that I had rewatched this season a few more times before we started podcasting about it, that 
the the long perception was that it gets great at the end, the rest is crap. But this middle section is almost on par with the end of this game, I think. Not quite, let's be honest. The end of this game is absolutely incredible watching. But this stuff around Craig, because we're really getting that sort of amping up with, you know, the, the Tapara members. Like, this is the first episode that I would say you would call Katie a villain because she's got a real villainous edit in this episode. You've got Shona kind of really just being very Shona. You've got some devious Rob in this episode, which is fantastic. You know, you've got a bit of a wishy-washy Joel, which is going to be prominent throughout this season. You've got Jane is terrible at everything, which, let's be honest, that's been the whole season. Sophie all of a sudden is popping up there. Lance is being Mr. Nice Guy. Like, everyone's playing up to their edit and what we know them of. And I'm just going to say this right now. This To this point, nine episodes into Australian Survivor Season 1, this might be the best episode, I think, just based on everything that sells this season. Not I know we've had great character episodes previously and we've enjoyed them, but in terms of if you are selling this season and the story of this season, and kind of, this is the bridging between the beginning and the end, and I, I would say this would be, as of right now, the best episode we've seen of this season. What makes this episode so great is you've got this one Kadena member left, and he was the best player in Kadena. Like, as far as challenges, uh, strategy play, I mean, he, he's he stirred up a lot of shit over the last probably, you know, Six to six to nine days, and people. Some people are believing him. Some aren't. Some know what he's up to. You know, some of the players know that he 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 has the potential to wreck, ruin their game. So there's a lot of tension going on in camp. No one knows who to believe. Um, and and you've got this one bloke who's fighting for his life. He's going to do anything to stay in the game. And at the same time, he's 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 willing to to take down people with him. And he's willing to take down Rob, the eventual winner of this game. So he knew, he knew Rob was probably the biggest threat. And, and it, it, I feel like he was the, he was the one that could see it the most. And of course, Rob gets the better, better of him in the end, but it makes for great TV. And I think what is important to point out with what makes it so great is that this is, again, as we say every week, very early Survivor. It's very old school. So the way Craig goes about going out fighting is is done in a very different way to what you would see today. You know, you think about some of these modern players who are at the bottom and are going to change, you know, you, you think of, you know, a Shawnee or an AK in the most recent season where, you know, they're doing what they can. They're kind of, you know, laying some seeds, doing this. They can work twists to their advantage. Let's go find an idol. Let's pretend I've got an idol. Let's do, you know, all the things that you're going to do in modern Survivor to try and keep your spot in the game. Because let's be honest, today you've got more tools at your disposal if you're at the bottom of an alliance and you're the so-called guaranteed vote-out to try and keep yourself in the game. And people are also more willing to switch over and, and hear your side. Craig didn't have this. Craig, it was a simple case of he loses immunity, he's gone. There's nothing he really can do. This is what a lot of people complain about with old Survivor because you have pagongings. There's not real switchovers. There's no idols. So it's kind of, it's it's written in the stars that he's going to go home. But I still would say that what makes this entertaining is you really do see the seeds what Craig's left. He says it when he votes in this episode that like, I may have, you know, run out of steam on the physical side, but I hope I've left enough mental demons for you guys to deal with. And clearly from next week, as we saw in the preview for next week, it is there, and it works for the rest of this season. Craig, what he did throughout this merge point 
really will manipulate these Tapara members enough that they will crumble in the coming weeks. Absolutely. And I think it's also important to remember that Craig didn't have the luxury of production throwing in little extra ways that he can stay in the game as we see now. Like, you know, we see All Stars, for example, Shawnee, Zach, you know, they get voted out, especially Shawnee was voted out fairly. Next second, she just reappears on on a tribe, you know, just um, after one night on, on an island. So it's like Craig didn't have that luxury. Craig, that game was pure survivor. It was, you know, once you voted out, you're gone. No second chances, no chances to find idols. So it was hard. If you were on the bottom, it was, it was almost, I'll say, impossible to get out of um, where we see now, as you pointed out, there's players now have a lot more chances to not only stay in the game, but go from the bottom back to the top. So you, I think it's important to remember that with Craig. I think uh, in a modern era, if Craig was doing that same thing, he could have got himself back to the top. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree with that. I think we'll get straight into the episode. And as I mentioned, there's a lot of real Katie is a villain edit from this point on. And we get this straight away. Like Katie's just basically going on about, look, just don't get near me. I'm, I'm angry. I'm agitated. I just, I just can't handle this. You know, I don't want anybody near me. This turns into the first of about 727 instances this episode of Jane Sucks. Uh, and we're going to talk a lot about it. Because remember, guys, Jane sucks. All right. We just want to point that out. Jane sucks. It wasn't just Karen. Jane sucks. Uh, sorry, did, Ben, did we say when this episode aired as well? We did. At the very beginning. Oh, I did. Sorry. I must you have don't been, listen uh... to me. You so top on your Tapara bombshell that you're like, oh, oh. I'm going to hold one over Ben Waterworth, but I'm not I, even going to listen to it. I second guessed you, Ben, which I should never do. Uh, here I'm calling you the icon and then... Five minutes later, I'm second-guessing you. But, uh, no, I had to do but, my job, uh, my no, friend. I'm going like... to stand next to you with a speed gun, and I'm going to know he wasn't doing 120. He was doing 110. Ben, <laughs> ben it's a it's a big bombshell. That's why my mind's um, all scattered at the moment. <laughs> Who got caught speeding? Who got caught? Yeah. Who did you catch speeding the other day? <laughs> that, let, I'm going to say this. They don't call me the bloodhound for nothing. That's all I'm going to say. But anyway, uh, one of the lines here right at the start of this episode, it's, it's a pretty brutal line, and it's another one from Katie to Jane. We heard last episode when Katie said to, about Jane that, that she's just sitting there looking pretty. Um, well, Katie <laughs> Katie just keeps on rolling with him. And I find this pretty brutal, but it's a great line. She says that Jane d- doesn't fit the image of the game. That's a pretty big statement. Yeah, and this is, this is all intertwined with Katie basically... Uh, going on then about how you know she's complaining about Jane's got a store sternum, which I'm I, like I tried to defend Jane the other week because I really liked that little little line from Jane where she kind of said this is the game she's playing. I don't know if I can defend her if she's got a sore sternum and that doesn't want her to walk like sternum prevents you. Like I love Katie's line here, like if she has a broken leg, maybe, but a sore sternum. Um, how is that preventing you from walking to the water? I don't know. Um, but yeah, it is, you're right. It's a very brutal line. But then Katie just keeps going because then we get into the conversation about Craig. Um, Katie calls Craig a weasel, an asshole. Um, that basically, if he gets voted out, she's gonna like probably jump up and do like a massive dance. Katie's on fire this episode. I mean, like this is part of what I love about Katie is that I do love this villain aside, and there are some things with Katie in this episode which it is hard to defend as a Katie fan because I think that 
you know, it's it's kind of six of one, half dozen of the other because I can see her perspective because this is at that point in the game of Survivor where, yeah, you know, alliances and things like that probably were a bit weaselly, but on the flip side, Craig's doing what he can to survive, so I think that, you know, Katie, you've got to understand that you would probably be doing the same thing if you were in Craig's position. One thing I love about Katie is the words she uses to describe other players, other contestants. There's actually one word later on. I actually had to Google to find out the definition of, of the word. I'd just never heard of it before, but uh, and we'll talk about that later. But uh, the word weasel, I mean, I love any time I hear someone refer to another male contestant as a weasel. It's such a it's such a big word because it just says so much about that person or how they're feeling towards that person. So uh, I always get a little laugh when, when you hear uh, someone, and in this case it's Katie, referring to Craig as a weasel. It's, it's a great line. And the thing, too, is that, and again, this is going into that defense of Katie, and this is why I'm also a bit sad that Matt isn't on this episode, other Matt, because Matt sent us in a very long, detailed message, which, Matt, I, I wish I had it on hand. I, I've misplaced it. I know I've got it somewhere. But basically describing why he thinks that Katie, kind of her game sort of fell away a bit here. And it again, not necessarily everything that I agreed on, but I think it was a bit of a great talking point. But Katie, all of what we're seeing here with Katie this episode and her kind of lambasting Craig is all in confessionals. There's, I think, one moment with Rob where she kind of rolls her eyes and is like, oh, get fucked. But, like, you see it later on in this episode when Shona's kind of doing a Shona and, like, no, I respect him. He's a warrior, you know, and I think that we should respect him too. And Katie's literally like, yeah, I agree. I agree. Like, she's not going to basically get the emotions the better of her in front of other people. She's doing this to the camera alone. So I think kind of that's one thing that it's it's important to point out with Katie's game is that she doesn't really blow up and really let the emotions take over until the final episode, uh, you know, sort of around the Sophie vote out. But, um, yeah, it's just one small point to make out there. And in a confessional, too, in this period, she calls... She calls Craig an asshole. So yeah. you can see she's calling him a weasel. She's calling him an asshole. Um, it, it's it's just this build up. She you can see that she's starting to get annoyed with people ruining her plans. Like she's made it this far. She know she can smell the finish line, and she's got herself in a good place. But there's just a couple of people that are trying to ruin it for her. And you can see it. You can see with what she's saying that it's just starting to play on her mind a little bit. And she's planned this out from the beginning. We, we know she's gotten the pen and paper out and done all this sort of stuff. And we get it in this episode that she says, as soon as Craig loses, she's like, well, our plan is now going to come exactly what we planned. Here it is. Um, so, yeah, like as you said, she's kind of, it's starting to ruffle the feathers a little bit. And I think the thing with Katie, though, is that like she she attempts to adapt. We saw that a little bit in the last episode, kind of around the Sophie situation, that she was willing to cut Sophie if she needed to. Uh, you know, she's talking up Jane here. And, and we, we do know that Jane is not the plan. Like, I, I, Tapara has never, for whatever reason, wanted to keep Jane. Like, they talk about voting her out, but Lance has always been that one that they're going to vote out next. So Katie is willing to adapt. And had Craig won again this week, and. Craig kept winning. I'm sure Katie would have adapted, but she's just vocalizing the point that this guy is frustrated. And Joel, I will say, Joel has a throw-in confessional here too, saying that he also doesn't like it as well. So it's not just Katie who's feeling this frustration. And at the start of this episode too, we see one of many Craig and Shona, they're going for walks, they're talking about this friendship that they're building. So we've got Katie on one side that's trying to keep her plan together, and, of course, we've got Craig, the young warrior, as Shona has uh, named him. 
and uh, you can just see this relationship. And it's a bit of a yeah. You you probably wouldn't expect this relationship to have built to so quickly to where it is, but Shona really respects Craig, and she says to she openly says to Craig that she wants to be able to support him at, at all the challenges in the future, and she shouldn't have to feel like she can't just because she's a Tapara member. So she, right off the bat, she's she's showing him and telling him he's not by himself. She's going to support him. And then Craig has a great little line where he says to her, well, a friendship is like an alliance as well. So th- they do have a good friendship bond. And although Shona's in a Tapara alliance with Rob and Katie, but a friendship can be just as good as a lot as an alliance. And, and I think that's really good by Craig sort of getting that out to Shona and just putting those thoughts into her head to say, hey, well, we get along pretty well here. We, we're getting along better than, say, you might be with Jane. So this can be an alliance as well. And this is the brilliance of Craig because that line in which he says, like, a friendship can be an alliance too. I mean, he, he's laying that out there. And this this is where it's going to be fascinating to, to talk to Craig next week. Let's spoil it right now. We're going to have Craig on the show next week. We're very much looking forward to it. And we've kind of always, I think, when we've discussed with all the Kadena members, you know, one of the talking points has been around that Fantastic Five about, well, it seems like you don't want to talk about alliances, but you're kind of in an alliance and no one wants to admit that it was an alliance. And this is where I think it's going to be interesting to see if this is something that Craig will admit. And this is what we've talked about a lot, that Craig just seemed to be playing that game where he's forming these friendships. And as he says, a friendship is an alliance too. So even though you're not openly coming out and saying, you're in my alliance, you're in my alliance, you're in my alliance, you're kind of in a makeshift automatic alliance as it is. So I think that's the brilliance of Craig. And he can kind of lay that out here because... This is where Tapara are a little bit more open in saying we have an alliance. Katie and Rob are a little bit more open in saying we're going to the end, we're having these people, Shona, Sophie, you know, there and all in that. But you then got the likes of Lance, Joel, who are being told, but they don't believe it, even though they're just basing it all on friendship. And yet, you know, from their perspective, a friendship can't be an alliance and they're not seeing it from what Craig's trying to say. So... It is very fascinating. Craig is very, very smart here. And not the first time we've said it, not the last time we'll say it, uh, a player very ahead of his time. Yeah, absolutely. And in modern day Survivor now, if you have a friendship that strong, because there's because it's not so much now about tribe, sort of down the middle with tribe and you, you stick to your tribe like you did back then. Now, if you have a friendship like that, and a classic example is when... Zach came on to the tribe with the Golden God, and they obviously just clicked straight away. That friendship formed an alliance. So, and 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 you go from there. Where back in two thousand and two, Whalers Way, if you you really did just stick to your you know your tribe colours, and if you went outside of that, then you were going to become the next victim. So, I think if Craig was doing that same plan today, it would have worked. It really would have worked. I think he would have, Shona would have said, yeah, all right, let's team up. Who can we else, we get in. If, if Shona would have done that back then, all of a sudden Shona becomes the next big target. So I think for her game, she she wanted to work with Craig, but she just couldn't. There's a great little segment here with Shona and Rob. So clearly Shona's having that internal struggles. You know, she likes this bloke, Craig. He's a young warrior. I don't want to vote him out. And she's talking to her with her you know, biggest alliance member, which is Rob. And, of course, Rob wants nothing to do with Craig because Rob knows that Craig's his biggest threat. So it's a very interesting exchange because she's sitting here, they're talking, and 
<laughs> there's a great little line because Rob's I've always said this Rob he he sits back and he listens he doesn't he, he's not like Katie he doesn't get involved too much he'll sit there he'll listen to people he'll he'll agree with them but then he does that sly little look at the camera at the end because he's just trying to please Shona at this stage he's like well he, he, if he would have said to Shona nah we're getting rid of Craig don't talk to him that would have rubbed Shona up the wrong way he's fully aware of that so what he's doing is just, yep, okay, well, what can we do to make him feel better? And then he gets up, he looks at the camera and just does this this little grin when he says, oh, you know, the, the young warrior. It, it's a great line. It's a great little video clip, which I, I hope you'll be able to put up in our social media. But it just shows you how smart Rob is in this game because he knows when to shut his mouth. He knows when to agree with people because if you, if he starts trying to run the tribe too much, it's going to turn people like Shona the wrong way. I agree. And I think it kind of, this is where Robin, you can see how Robin Katie controlled this game for so long because I think Katie, that kind of goes back to what I was saying before, where the way Katie goes along with what Shona's saying. And yet when she's with Rob, they're comfortable enough to talk to each other and, and speak the truth. But no, you're absolutely right. This whole sequence here is incredible, um, particularly when Shona, and this is, this is the great thing about Shona too, is that Shona is. You know, she's very smart, but then she's also the way her loyalty works that she literally goes to Rob and is like, I can't do this Tapara Kadena thing anymore. I respect Craig too much. You're not going to do that in Modern Survivor. Like, <laughs> no, no way. That is kind of like, you're screwed. You're going home next. But this is what I appreciate about old school survivors. I love little moments like this. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's a unique little thing to see. And. Yeah, Shona goes on about this young warrior thing, all that sort of stuff. But you're right, like this is the devious Rob, and this is what we love about Rob. Like we, we there's one of those very early episodes. There was that moment when he kind of was playing up to the camera, and he was all like, "Oh well, back to it." Then, and he kind of puts his arms out and goes back and plays to it. There's like that moment you talk about when he kind of gives a bit of a smirk. We had the moment at the very end of this sequence when he basically agrees with Shona. Shona gets up and walks off. Rob looks in the camera, smiles, <laughs> and rolls his eyes as if to say, "Like, are you kidding me?" And then this is all. All intersected with this incredible string of confessionals where Rob's like, yeah, she's going on about, you know, uh, making him feel at home, uh, like getting some driftwood or some rocks. So, yeah, I said we'll just get some rocks and driftwood. You know, we'll make him feel good. And then we'll just vote him out anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is a great line. Oh, it's a great line. And he says, he says to the camera in a confessional, he's like, the young warrior has charmed the older warrior and now they've formed a bond. Like, he's, he's almost giving him shit a bit, but... He, he knows to say that to the camera, not to Shona. Because if he starts mocking Shona and starts basically saying, oh, what are you doing? Like, this is ruining our games. Shona's not going to... Shona will end up pushing the other way and going with Craig. So, yeah, he, he says, oh, well, what, what can I come up with? I'll come up, we'll come up with, you know, rocks. We'll, we'll get eight rocks together. We'll write Aurora on it. And then we're one. And then we'll vote him out. So, you know, he's just trying to keep everyone happy because... It, while he can still maintain his plan to get to the end. And this is where I think it's important to point out. A lot of people will criticise, uh, you know, people who, Australian Survivor fans who will go out there and sort of rank the winners. And then the ones who do include Whaler's Way and Celebrity Survivor. In talking down Rob, they don't talk up Rob's win as much because they say he had it easy. He had a uh, pagonging, all this sort of stuff. But this is one of those important moments to show that he still didn't have it easy because he's, okay, he's, what, seven to one right now in terms of an alliance and he's on top of that alliance. But you literally have a person, one of your key, his 
biggest ally, let's be honest, his biggest ally is Shona, not Katie, because he's going to cut Katie's throat at final three. He wants Shona at the end because he knows he will beat Shona. So that's his biggest member of his alliance right there. But he's having to deal with her essentially saying, yeah, no, I think we need to make Craig feel home. And Shona, let's be honest, right now, if she's not being talked out of this or kind of played to, she very much may flip. And who knows what will happen at that point. So I think that Rob is doing beautiful here to maintain that level. And as you said, he's he's playing it up to the camera, but he's still keeping that level. We're going to get a bit here from Sophie soon, essentially, where Sophie comes to Rob and says like, hey, I want to go to the end with you. So he's he says in a confession, I've got three people wanting to come to the end with me. So he's having to balance it. And that's that might sound great on paper, but let's be honest, that's dangerous. Because if you've got three people that you want to go to the end with, if Sophie talks to Katie or Sophie talks to Shona, all of a sudden, hang on a minute, he said he's going to the end with me. Hang on, he said he's going to the end with me. Then you've got three people going, fuck this guy, let's target him. So Rob's got this balancing act here that, okay, in terms of, his alliance, he's got more people on it because of Kadena going, you know, faux pas before the merge. But he's still got to balance things. And this is where I think Rob's really got to get that level of respect. And I think that also back to Katie as well, is that I, I struggle to think of any other pairing in the history of Australian Survivor who has had much control and dominance over a season as these two. We know ultimately they're going to kind of go a bit skew if at the end. But, I mean, this is just a random on-the-spot question. We haven't done any research on this, but can you think of it? Who would be the closest pairing in any other Australian Survivor season that went deep? I'm thinking Lee and Elle, but, I mean, they didn't obviously have this level that Katie and Rob have. Uh, You know, Imogen um, and uh, Bobby's... What was the actress who played Bobby? I've gone blank. Um, Nicole. Nicola. Nicole. Nicole, yeah. Nicole. They were quite tight, went deep. Um, Yeah, I think, like... It's it's a hard one, isn't it? Well, you'd say, yeah, like, I mean, you got Pia Miranda and um, Janine went pretty mm-hmm. deep and, and they were sort of both playing off each other. A little bit different type of roles they had. But Janine, she played a great game. I was a big big fan of Janine and I thought it was a shame that she wasn't on All-Stars. But, um, you know, she played that bit of a Katie role. Um, but, look, the thing the thing that makes Rob so good is he, he, he is very similar to a Brian Heidick in the fact that, he doesn't say too much. He's got plenty of plans going on, but he listens. You know, he's a listener. Um, he says a lot to the camera, which is great. The confessionals are great, which Brian was the same. And I remember cast members in, in Thailand for, for season uh, was it season five were um, – they said afterwards they didn't they couldn't believe that Brian was saying all this stuff. They had, had no, no idea. Yeah. No, no clue. They, had, they just didn't – think he was saying any of that stuff and i think the same could be said for rob i reckon once the game was over and they sit back and and, and watch it in the lounge room they would have been like holy shit like we had no idea rob was doing all this because he was such a great listener and he just he didn't say too much he said what he had to say and he and he let other people do the talking in the example katie and that to me at the end of the day no matter what era of survivor you're playing the biggest thing that I think you have to have is a good social game that allows you to connect with people. Yes, there are so many other elements of the game. That is not the way you win the game. You've got to have a whole bunch of things going along the way as well. But again, my argument with any of the seven Australian Survivor winners 
every single one of them has a huge portion of their game that was social. You would argue the majority of winners of Australian Survivor had to rely on their social aspect to win the game. And this is what you're absolutely right, Rob does. Listening is part of your social game. A a famous example of of a winner in the US version who gets no credit for her win, but relied so heavily on the social aspect and listening to people and it got her the votes at the end was Vesepia. Vesepia had a notebook where she took notes and remembered things because back in the US Survivor, in those early days, you always had a challenge where there was basically a trivia questions at the end of how well do you know your fellow cast members. So she knew that was an aspect and that got her essentially to the end and that won her the game. And this is old Survivor where... There is no such thing as a survivor resume. And can I just say right now, in 2020 when we're recording this episode, there is also no such thing as a survivor resume. It's a stupid concept. People, stop using it. That's another episode. Um, but this is what you had to rely on so much more in, uh, in any version of Survivor in the early 2000s. This game started. It was the social aspect. We have a section in this episode where that social aspect and your life aspect comes into it where Katie's saying... Sophie's rich. She rides horses. I've got 300 bucks in my bank account. Like, that's a huge part of the game. And you're getting to know that from knowing these people. So, yeah, Rob is just a master at this. And you're right. He's, he's a very similar to Brian Heideck. Not quite as devious, I think, and as uh, dark as Brian Heideck sometimes. Um, but I don't know if we're ever going to have the reveal that Rob did porn. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, if he did... Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> Good so, on him. While all the, no, I don't think so. But to, while all this is going on, this episode, it, it we had a little bit of Jane bashing at the start. And, of course, a little bit. Straight, a little, well, <laughs> they go straight back to it. So we see Shona. She's catching the big fish. That was a big fish she caught, too. And this is what, by this is day 25, by this day, day 25, 26. And uh, she, Shona catches this big fish, and she asks Jane to... Um, if she knows how to, to gut it. And Jane says no. So once again, you, you can see Shona's getting irritated. She's already been there for over three weeks now. They go fishing, you know, every second day and Jane still hasn't gutted a fish. So you see this confessional from, um, from Shona saying that uh, Jane contributions to the tribe are minimal. And she says she's being carried by the tribe. Once again, it's a pretty big statement. Like she's saying this girl, this 18 year old girl here is getting, getting carried by the rest of us. Then Joel comes in with a confessional saying that uh, Jane doesn't compete at all and that we've been carrying her for a long time as well. So, you know, this episode, it does have a lot of Jane bashing, doesn't it? And then, of course, the kicker, this is the best bit, Jane comes in with a confessional saying how they all respect her, they admire her, and they're even encouraged by her. I, um... I hope our listeners enjoyed our social media post during that. We had a bit of fun with uh, the Jane Sucks thread this week. Jane, if you're listening, this it's a bit of fun because let's be honest, the edit shows that you suck. I'm sorry, but like, you suck. Uh, and it's it's hilarious the way they play it because you're right, every single confessional here is like, we're carrying her, yeah, she doesn't contribute. I particularly love the Craig one where Craig's like, Jane brings nothing, she's physically, she's useless, mentally, she's useless. Jane is useless. And then, of course, they quickly intersect it with, but she could be playing. And, like, fair enough. Like, Craig again, smart man. And this is where I appreciate Jane from a couple of weeks ago because I honestly do think that Jane was playing that game. 
yeah, she sucks, but that's the edit telling us she sucks. You can see the editors are literally having fun in this sequence because while all these confessionals are going on, you've got shots of Jane, you know, like, with holding a fish, she literally drops the fish and he's like, like, ah, I don't know what to do. Then she picks it up again and she's kind of holding it like this is, you know, the AIDS baby or something like that. And then, like, it's just all intersected. And then the, the editors have so much fun with the, as you're saying, the Jane line, which she's like, I really think the tribe respects me and almost admires me. And, like, this is, this is again, a, a hidden little thing in this scene which it doesn't get any credit for because... The editing in this season, again, as I always say, not perfect, but then they have little fun moments like this. Think about how this would be edited in Modern Survivor. This would be a whole sequence of this is hilarious fun. Think about, again, in All Stars, we had the whole section where Shawnee was going on about, like, oh, I'm really good at social. I know that Zach likes birds, so I'm going to inflate his ego and talk about birds. Do I care about birds? No. And, like, everyone loved that. Everyone loved Shawnee because of things like that. They would be doing the same here because Jane is kind of naive and, oh, they love me. They admire me. Meanwhile, every confessional is, Jane sucks. Jane is shit. Go away, Jane. You suck. You are the worst human in the world. It's brilliant. And it was funny editing. I mean, here they have, they go back to back to back um, confessionals of everyone bagging out Jane. And then, of course, they chuck in Jane saying that uh, that they're, they're, they're encouraged by her. It's, it's a, you know, it was set up that you, you hear like, oh, shit, shit, shit. They're really, this girl's doing nothing. And then here's the same person saying, oh, I'm great. You know, they love me. And she actually says, I think she actually says, oh, I don't want to sound arrogant, but... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and it's just, I was like, oh, I mean, it's great editing. Um, talking about great editing. Hang on, we, before, we... You, before you, before Matt, I think to interrupt you, because I think, are you, can I preempt you here? I'm guessing you're going straight into your uh, reward challenge and you're going to read I it was. for me. Can I, I before was. you do that, because one thing I really wanted to point out before you get to that, a great little moment here. And let's be honest, this is Sophie's biggest episode. Sophie gets a pretty decent, there's, there's like, Three golden Sophie moments in this episode, which we have to point out because I don't know if we get any more here. And I always want to give credit to all the players on this season when they have golden moments. Golden moment number one for Sophie here, Sophie being an emu. Now, I, I, I never thought that that we would ever sit here and talk about a an Australian Survivor contestant being an emu. And if that was going to happen, I didn't think it would be Sophie. So I think you and I both need to give our best Sophie doing an emu impersonation here. I think it was something like... Uh, you you sound a bit like uh, Tony there from uh, <laughs> when he. <laughs> she's she's the original Tony. There it is. She, Sophie is oh. the original. You want me to speak llama to you? Yeah. You want me to speak emu to you? Um, well, it's funny because last last week when when we were, we were trying to plug um, trying to plug the uh, Mik- station, we talked we talked about it being uh, filled with a lot of uh, emus on, on on the on the area there. So. Yeah, Sophie, she's trying to communicate with the emus, and and I think it's Shona says something to her, and she's like, "Oh, I want to eat them." You know, she she wants to, she's obviously hungry, wants to eat the uh, emu, but it it looked pretty cool. I mean, visually, it looked great. Here you are, you're playing Survivor, and in the background, there's like twelve emus just running around. It it looks pretty cool. I think we've mentioned a few times some of the shots here, um, because yeah, like. Say it will about the location. I think it does a good job in showcasing some of the Australiana stuff. Like, yep. one great thing about the Australian Outback is, you know, you got a lot of shots of kangaroos, crocodiles, like all the things the Americans want to see. Because let's be honest, Americans are watching, what do they think of Australia? Kangaroos, crocodiles, deadly things. But I think they do a really good job in this episode of, yeah, like the emus. We've got some great shots of kangaroos. We'll get to that scene later on. But it's just, 
again, a fun, a nice little fun scene of, you know, the most random person this season to expect to do this. I'm just going... <laughs> but, and then, actually, just before we go into what you were about to say a second ago, you're talking about great shots. There's a really great little sequence here of some great aerial photography of the cliffs of Whaler's yep. Way. Looks beautiful. And, again, we've said it constantly about Whaler's Way. No matter what you say about the location, there are some visually stunning aspects of this landscape. So you can see why Stephen Peters chose this, because it, it looks fantastic. And... I agree, and I was gonna—I was gonna actually mention th- those aerial shots, but I sort of—I mentioned them all the time, so I sort of probably thought you might be sick of me saying it. But uh, I'm glad you brought it up because it is actually fantastic, and, and it makes you—you know—want to go and, and and see that part of the world. And uh, some of the photos that you that uh, you posted up on our account on social media through the week as well shows there's some there's one great photo, and it's, it looks like it's you know just just hit dark and. Uh, and there's a beautiful little shot there, and you sort of see the cliffs and and a couple of silhouettes of the, of the players, and then it goes out to the to the ocean. But um, yeah, it is. I mean, although there was bad parts to that um, to that site that they used that we have touched on many times, uh, there was also some you know fascinating parts to it as well. I want you to do your little limerick reading here, but but before we do that, the one part I really laughed here again, subtle little funny moment here is after it's read, you just have this moment, because it's Sophie, Jane, Craig, and Shona reading this, and then there's kind of a silence, and then all of a sudden you've got this constant little, mmm, 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 like there's three in a row of, I think it might be just Jane and Sophie just going, mmm, mmm, mmm. Like, it's, it's, it's really random. Oh, there's, uh, there's plenty of random stuff in this episode, uh, but look, I'll yeah, I'll read this challenge mail, and I think it's it's so it's read by Sophie. I'm not going to try to read it like Sophie, but um, <laughs> but Sorry. Uh, it, it's actually it's it's funny because the first word they talk about uh, being isolated, which is um, relevant in the times we live in now. That uh, just coming off my two weeks uh, holiday, which was all isolated at home, so I can relate to this challenge. But uh, let me read it out: isolated and alone, you must plan your attack. Choose your steps carefully, you can't go back. Pick off the others one by one, till alone you stand and your reward is won. Good job. You sounded exactly like Sophie. Um, <laughs> I lo- I, another challenge that I actually enjoy, this is reminds me a lot uh, of the Australian Outback one where they had to put multiple discs in a row. This one's a little bit different, but... Um, this is a nice stock standard simple challenge. This is a, a challenge which I would wish they would bring back in modern day yep. Survivor. You know, you literally need a piece of green asphalt, uh, astro turf, sorry, on the ground, some bits of rope, draw a grid, and some circle. It's cheap, it's easy, and I think it's actually quite interesting. I do like challenges where you kind of. You're showing your hand on alliances and you're forcing... And this is something which I am surprised I don't do a lot more in Modern Survivor. You know, the chop challenge where you've got a, three notches and you're chopped and things like that, it expose alliances. Anyway, that's another... I'm getting... Bagging out modern stuff so much, but this challenge is still it, fun because essentially they've got to stand in a square, they've got a disc, they've got to basically trap people so that they can't move and once they can't move, they're eliminated. The reward, of course, is a large pizza and that crisp, cold glass of... Pepsi, which let's be honest, Pepsi shit, but whatever. <laughs> I, I'm not, you know, I'm a fan of Pepsi, but um, it's funny because you're right. It's it's a, it's one large pizza, which looks fantastic, by the way. I think it looks like a supreme pizza, but um, 
And then they, they don't actually – they've got one can of Pepsi with a glass next to it, but they don't actually mention the Pepsi. So they just say the reward was for a pizza. So I'm like, is this just a bit of product placement here? Do they actually get to wash it? wash it down with a Pepsi, which you'd like to think they would. But, um, but yeah, they all, they never miss a chance here to to get that product placement in. I'm surprised it wasn't a big can of Solo. You know, they should have had, like, the big 440 mil can, the big the big gulp can, uh, really get that advertising going, you know. But, um, but you're right. So they're playing for the large pizza, and I can't agree with you more, Ben. This challenge should be in every second season of Survivor. Very cheap, but easy and fun one to watch because anyone can win there's strategy involved in it so as we see in this they immediately target craig everyone goes after um goes after craig and they block craig in so he he, he's the first to go and um but so there's a bit of smarts to it but it's it's an easy basic challenge which is still fun to watch you're right and Craig straight away gone. So, I mean, that's obvious because, you know, Craig, they don't want Craig to get fed. He's won two immunities. He's the one target they want gone. So let's target him straight away. And then even then it's kind of, it's interesting, the dynamic that goes out with the Tapara members because, you know, Rob's targeted, uh, you know, Katie's targeted because basically it goes, Katie goes next, then Sophie, Rob, Shona, uh, Jane, and then it's Joel versus Lance at the end and Lance ends up winning. So it kind of, it, it, it shows dynamics and this causes friction. I mean, let's be honest, the big first ever sort of twist in an alliance or the real unseating of an alliance famously was Marquesas. You know, we, we didn't have that one challenge where John Carroll and crew were kind of being a bit too cocky. Nalia and that aren't going to stand up against them. And, you know, we're not going to have a, a very influential moment that happened in Survivor. So it is surprising that they don't do things like this more often. Even in this, which is still very old school, you've got some cracks showing. Uh, not quite as exposed as you would in modern Survivor, but I still think it's important to, to see this. What is the most unfortunate part of this challenge is the actual ending, the reward part of it. This is where I feel things start to go wrong in the production side of things. So so Lance wins. He wins a pizza. There's obviously, including him, there's eight contestants left in the game. He opens it up. Of course, the pizza's cut into eight. Now, why production did this, it, it annoys the shit out of me. It was an error. I'll say it right now. It should never have happened. It's a trend that ends up going forward for the rest of the game, which I think ruins part of this game. Uh, but instead of him saying, okay, pick one person and you'll go to eat the pizza you know, at another location or separated back at camp or whatever, they end up letting him split it eight ways, so a piece each to every person in the game. So in the end, Craig ends up getting a pizza pizza anyway. So, you know, they're obviously trying to target him, but at the end of the day, he still gets to eat just as much as everyone else. And uh, they all get a pizza and then they go. So in the end, the, the challenge was kind of for nothing. And it annoys me because they should never have allowed it. And it's a trend that ends up going forward. Look, I definitely see your point. It doesn't It doesn't annoy me as much as it annoys you, but I, I definitely see your point. I agree. I think it should be a case of let's choose one, choose two, because, yeah, you make a great point there at the end. I haven't thought about it that way. It is kind of essentially for nothing. But yeah. I also do think it, do, it does bring a little bit of an interesting moment, though, with Shona sort of keeping her peace and then ultimately giving it to Craig. But, I mean, this gets brought up in Tribal where Lance essentially says anyone else would have done the same. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't think Craig would have done that. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't know who else maybe not. Jane wouldn't have done it, let's be honest, because Jane sucks. She, she had a sore, 
sternum but uh, but <laughs> she couldn't eat how did she eat that pizza with a sore sternum <laughs> but, but this is where and i hate being critical on production because i know this was the first ever australian season you know we know that they had limited sort of information about how that, they, they were making the rules up as they go but surely they someone could have stepped up and says no like we've got to stop this we can't just because the challenge was for nothing in the end let's be honest it was a great challenge and it meant nothing in the end it was like it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, that was a good challenge. Oh, great. Lance wins. It'll be good to see Lance get a get a, get a uh, challenge win. You know, he gets to eat this pizza. Oh, you know, maybe he gets to pick one person and he might pick Rob, you know, and then him and Rob get to go away and they talk and Lance might be able to talk to Rob more and say, hey, you know, I'm a bit worried about me getting picked off, you know, and, and actually talk more about that. And we get to see, we don't see any of that. In the end, Lance was all—he was never going to be the guy that was going to just eat the pizza by himself. Lance, we've said it; he's probably the nicest guy to ever play Survivor in the history of this world. So, he was always going to separate the pizza, give everyone a slice. It, that's where production should have stepped up and said, "No, no, no." Their production are there for a reason—to make the rules and to enforce the rules. You know, some players at times, unless those rules are there, they're too scared to actually make that decision. Yeah, you know, they want the pizza to himself, but they're too scared to go and eat it by himself. Where if production step up, step up and say, "Well, no, you're not allowed to share it with everyone," it, it makes for better TV. I, I, I didn't like this part of the game, and I actually think it hurts it going forward. And I think it's important to be critical where we can be, because yeah, we're the biggest defenders of season one in the history of the world. Great, go go for us. And I think as more and more of the seasons go on particularly me, I don't know necessarily, Matt, where you're going to stand, but, you know, you know, I'm going to be more critical of Channel 10. So I think it's important where one of us see a negative aspect, we call it out or vice versa or whatever that is. Because, yeah, I, I think there are there are still moments of this season that, that do struggle and that are bad. And you're right. Like, I think kind of production have the final say. And, yeah they're making stuff as they go along because there's no supposed rule book. They can kind of have free will of what they want to do. But Australian Outback had aired at this point and Australian Outback was kind of the first sort of season where you had rewards and you could take people with you. I mean, you had it a bit in Borneo, but it was, you know, famous moments in Australian Outback when Jerry and Colby go to the Great Barrier Reef and, you know, things like that. Like there was an element of choosing people in that more so. So it wasn't, they can't use the excuse of, oh, we'd never seen it before because it wasn't like it was on Africa for the first time, if you know what I mean. So they would have been aware of it. And it is kind of surprising that they didn't think that through a little bit. And this is where that that criticism is labelled at this season. It's that dreaded M word because they're all friends. And Again, let's point out, I think we're, what, nine episodes in, and I did we hear the word the M word once in this season, I want to say? Maybe I don't... Or have we not heard it yet? And that's the word that gets poisoned on this season. So, yeah, I think you're right. And I, as I said, it's important to point out criticisms every now and then. And what's also important to point out is only an episode before where Naomi won the challenge, they had it spot on. They let her pick one person, and it was a great challenge. It was the best... Um, best win like reward in the in the entire game so they had it right there obviously that obviously that's wasn't a reward that they could share with everyone anyway but they were going down the right path and i know africa hadn't fully aired by the time they started filming um whaler's way but what made africa so good was every time they had a reward challenge and someone won they got to pick you know one person that's why there's so many times when you see you know 
big Tom and Lex have that awesome um, reward together. And you see Ethan and Lex go and they go sell the goats and that, that sort of stuff. You just money can't buy that. Like when you just isolate two or three people together and get to share in the spoils of a reward. In the end, they show like a little 20-second clip of him eating a pizza, shown it, you know, she has one behind her back. I think Rob or Lance or someone says, hey, oh, did you get a slice of pizza? And she says, oh, yeah, I'm going to save it. And then you see a little confessional later on. It's like, oh, you know, I, I slipped the pizza into Craig's bag when he wasn't looking, you know, just to let him know that he's not alone. Like, yeah, okay, look, that was pretty cool. But, you know, and I, I, I don't like being critical, but I think at times – you know, you have to be, and that, that for me was a bit of a sour point on this episode. You know whose fault it is, Matt, Jane's, because she sucks. <laughs> it's all Jane's she gets fault. A bl- she gets the blame for everything in this episode, doesn't yep. she? I mean, yep. that's, uh, the poor girl, she's she's trying. She's, she thinks she's encouraging him, and... Uh... I don't want to sound arrogant, but I think they admire her, so, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, couple, I mean, you're right. Like, a couple of things that I think uh, I actually really enjoy, though, about the end part of this. Um, yeah, the whole Shona situation of of putting. I I really hope that Craig checked his bag pretty promptly after that. Otherwise, he might have you know gotten back to Port Lincoln and oh fuck, what's this mouldy piece of pizza in my bag like that? But also, like, were you not thinking that Joel's got some rice in his pocket, so maybe he's got oh, some for- rice on his pizza? <laughs> but actually, one thing I also really love. Lance's reaction when he wins, he's like kissing everyone. Then he's got, "What about you guys? Want to give me a kiss?" And he gives Joel a kiss. And then he's like, "What about you, Craig?" <laughs> and then Craig just kind of looks at him. He's just like, "Fuck off." <laughs> <laughs> well, it, talking about Craig too. Oh, after this, he has a great confessional where he talks about um, Lance showing his true colours, being the nice guy he is. That of course Lance shares a pizza and. Uh, then he said, it's a great line. I loved it. He says that um, that his fellow tribe mates who have formed an alliance against Lance might have um, a little trouble swallowing the pizza that they just ate because, of course, Craig knows they're all gunning for Lance and Lance is in denial that that's happening. So for Craig to do that little confessional and say, oh, well, I hope they enjoyed that pizza, but I, I dare say there would be a few of them that would find it hard to swallow. I thought that was a pretty cool confessional. I also like the little snippet where you see the windmill and it's this is the first time we've ever seen it. it says Southern Cross on it. I don't think we've mm. ever really seen a name on it. Like, no, I, I noticed that too for the first time. Yeah. Um, one thing though, Matt, that uh, while we get here into sort of the middle section of the episode, I just, I, I, I mean, look, you can join me here if you want to. I just want to just try and do something here. Just, hang on, just, just let me get myself warmed up. Bum 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 bum. Dum 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 bum 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 bum. We could live for a thousand years. But if I hurt you, I'd make wine from your tears. Join me, Matt. I told you <laughs> that we could fly because we all have wings. But some of us don't know why. No? Have no. I? I think I've missed something here. I, you missed the, the greatest hell, What the hell the is this singing. podcast turned into? You're not. What, what are you? What are you watching? Like you what don't I... see Sophie and Joel doing their little sing along to one of the greatest songs of all time, while oh. kangaroos turn their heads and are in, watching in awe. This is gold. This is brilliant. I must have skipped over that part. Because, well, Matthew obviously you've done that quite well, Ben. You should have just kept on going and uh, singing the whole whole song. I mean, look, if you really want me to, but I don't think other people do. I, but no, this, I, this is the one thing I really like about this because. 
It's it's a well-known fact in US Survivor that they're told not to sing real songs because they can't air it for copyright reasons. I think the only instance I can remember is T-Bird in Africa singing Tomorrow from, from Annie. I, I think there might have been another episode, but, like, many interviews I've had, they, the players have said, like, we were told off, like, don't sing songs because we can't air it. So this is kind of like a nice little fascinating moment. It'll be interesting to see if maybe they had to get some clearance from, you know, In Excess's record label and all that sort of stuff. But it's just a fun little quirky moment because, let's be honest, I mean, you've played the game, Matt. I'm sure there are, you know, moments... You were there for two days, but like if you were there for longer, you're bored. You you know you're sitting around and hey, one of my favourite songs is this, and you start singing it. Like it's just it's one of these things that let's be honest, we do as human beings when you're in a situation where maybe it's a bit awkward, you don't have anything to say. It's just a fun little moment, and I really like this little sing along between these two. Yeah, I wasn't there long enough to uh, worry about uh, singing songs, unfortunately. But but you're right. I, I imagine it's like anything, you know, it, when you you know I've obviously done a lot of travelling and. When you've been on the road for a long time, you just you know you start uh, getting a bit of down, fair bit of downtime, and and you start resorting back to what you know, you know, and whether that's uh, singing a song you like or humming a song, you know, it's it's just the way it is. And and you're right, production would have been sort of telling them not to talk about certain things, you know, um, outside the game or pre-production stuff. You get told that you can't talk about that because obviously they can't air any of that on on TV, any pre pre-production talk. Um, and um, yeah, and of course you're right with with music. Anything that um, that they're going to air, they have to get permission. But uh, I, I do remember this little little segment happening. But um, I think by that stage, I was still enraged about the whole pizza thing. I must have sk- skipped over it a little bit. You were you were so angry with it. One thing, I mean, I like it's it's funny actually because I mean, never tear us apart. Iconic song by In Excess. Everyone loves In Excess. I think you're Australian, you're born into it, you love In Excess. Um, 1988, that song came out. So that song at that point was 13 years old. I'm just, I've just quickly brought up here, Matt, the uh, the ARIA chart, end of year chart for 2001. Of course, they filmed this at the end of 2001. So I'm thinking here, if they had gone a bit modern, they could have dated this a little bit better. Like they could have sang a bit of Hole Again by Atomic Kitten. Can we fix it by Bob the Builder? I, I would have loved to see Shona walking down the street going, you know, like, can we fix it, Bob the Builder? Um, Smooth Criminal, Alien Ant Farm, the Michael Jackson cover, I'm Like a Bird, Nelly Furtado. I definitely think that would have been a Sophie song. Stan, Eminem, Joel would have been repping that one. We're going to see him <laughs> rapping in a few weeks, so that works out there. Hanging by a Moment by Lifehouse, Angel by Shaggy. Can't get you out of my head by Kylie. You know that, you know, Rob's going to be singing a bit of Kylie. Come on. It wasn't me by Shaggy. And the number one song in 2001 that they all could have had a sing-along around the campfire, Can't Fight the Moonlight by Leanne Rimes. I actually really hate that song, but whatever. That would have been fun to watch. I can't believe it was 19 years ago that Shaggy was at his prime. Uh, he's only prime, right? Like, <laughs> peak Shaggy, 2000. What, what, I miss the days when we could say a singer called Shaggy was topping the charts. Yeah, I think he's uh, he's still big in the Caribbean. Cause, uh, he's from Jamaica or Barbados. I think Jamaica No, he, he's is. American. He's American. He's actually American, but he kind of puts that accent on. Like, I think yeah. he's got heritage there, but... It- because I remember when I was in when I was in Jamaica, um, he was still yeah there was still so, like current songs where he was heavily involved in it. So he obviously yeah has that that heritage back to the Caribbean. But um, uh, he was still big in the Caribbean a couple of years ago. Maybe you know living off the fame from Angel and uh, it wasn't me and all that stuff from nineteen years ago. I will correct myself. You are correct. He's from Jamaica, but I think he's American Jamaica. But I actually he um, randomly came to Hobart like five years ago. You know your career's gone down the toilet when you're doing a small concert in Hobart. 
uh, and actually quite fun live. He was actually pretty good. And the the most funniest thing about Shaggy was he got there up on stage at one point and he's like, you know, there are a lot of people ask me, like, where have you been? You know, you, you haven't been around since it wasn't me and, uh, you know, uh, Angel. And he's like, I've just been living off that money. Like, what else do I need to do? I've been sitting around smoking cones and here I am now. I've run out of money, so I better do some touring. <laughs> And for anyone that's just happened to tune into the podcast right now, just welcome to the archives of the 2001 <laughs> songs of the year. Uh, but uh, can I also just say that, Ben, I can't believe normally I'm the one getting things wrong on this podcast and, and you've just admitted that I was right. Shaggy was born in Jamaica. I thought that was the case. And uh, finally, I've got one up on you. At least I listen to what the other co-host is saying, though. Like you know, <laughs> true, you, that's you, true. Prob- you, you would have gone, Ben. Did you mention that Shaggy wasn't Jamaican at some point? Um, but yeah, no, it's always good to go down memory lane. And thanks very much, uh, Sophie and Joel, for having a sing along. We'll uh, be sure that you sing along to things at some point. I, I want, I want Sophie to sing along to "Old Man Emu" by John Williamson. There you go. <laughs> that's what she needs to to sing along to. Going along with the wobbling. Talking about uh, people singing, well, Rob sings like a bird to um, to Katie when um, he tells oh, great Katie. Segue. Oh, I know. Dyson, Mike, that's a three point basket, my friend. That's swish. <laughs> that's that's brilliant, mate. Good I've, job. I've learned off uh, you know a good podcaster here, so uh, at least I'm learning. You can when at the end wow. of this podcast when you when you rate me in my little. Uh, Apprentice book here. You can uh, rate me high for today's yeah, podcast. Yeah, you're due for an appraisal soon. Uh, yeah. Six monthly appraisal. But it is true. Rob, you're right. Rob sings like a bird. He He's telling Katie all about Shona and the young warrior. You know, he, he, he's, he, she's, he's telling Katie that um, Shona's obviously got this massive bond with, with, with Craig and that she's calling him the warrior. And uh, <laughs> Katie's not happy. Katie... She, she really doesn't like Craig by the end of this episode, does she? Uh, she, she reckons that what, – what does she Hey, I've written some notes here. Uh, she basically thinks that that Craig will get along with people as long as he thinks that they're going to worship him. And, and that's Katie's take on Craig, that Craig's a nice guy as long as you're going to worship the hell out of him and that uh, Shona's getting sucked right into his false charm. And – yeah, Katie's annoyed. She, I think she's she's pissed off at Craig. She, she doesn't like Craig by this stage. She 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 knows really? he could he, he I could know, ruin get that. He could ruin it all for her. But she's also getting annoyed with Shona. Look, this is what I was saying before about Katie and how I think you know this, the 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 long winded message that Matt sent us. And again, Matt, I I really wish that I had that on on hand. I really should have prepared a little bit more for this episode. Um, and I think kind of a lot of people will take away from Katie because they will see a moment like this where she's kind of being a bit narky and not handling Craig coming into a territory. And again, I can understand that. But this is actually the only moment where Katie has this to another person, at least that we see. All the other moments are her to camera. Yep. And this is what I was saying before, that this is what's great about this Katie-Rob duo, that Katie clearly feels comfortable enough to talk and be critical of Craig to Rob. Because you're not seeing that when she's talking with Shona later on. Now, again, this could have happened a lot more out there. We just didn't see it. But here, this is all we're seeing. So, and I and I think even the way Katie does this with Rob, like she doesn't go out of her way to be like, he's an asshole and I'm going to be doing a dance when he gets voted out. Like she's literally here, as you said, kind of like, you know, he's the type of people person that wins people over his charm and he's charming Shona. But 
again, let's go back to the props to the editing here. You actually see this with Shona. We've already seen it with Shona giving the pizza to Craig, calling him a warrior. But there's a little little moment here where kind of Craig's talking about, oh, I didn't get much sleep last night. And Shona's like, yeah, I didn't think you were getting much sleep last night. Like, what are you, sitting around the campfire staring at him sleeping? Like, she's, she's infatuated by him. And it's like, and I don't think it's a... When I say infatuated, it's not like a romantic thing. It's, it's literally she admires this guy and it's finding it's being it's very difficult for her to kind of be against him, which jumping ahead here, it's going to be very surprising to see that she actually ends up voting for him at the end. But um, yeah, it's fascinating. And I think kind of this is what adds another layer to why this episode is so good, because again, it's the cracks. Katie is is fracturing a little bit here, at least mentally, and you're seeing some cracks there. And I think kind of seeing that level with Shona and Rob kind of having to control this whole, you know, circle of things going around here. So it's it's got a great layer to it. There's another little layer here, which I'll just add quickly about Lance saying that, you know, he's hungry all the time, but there are people doing it worse than him. So he can go hungry for a little bit. Lance, the nicest guy in the world. Jane, you suck. Lance, you are like the opposite of sucking. You are like... God amongst men and women and everyone. So on the, there's a new scale for us, Matt. If we need to describe a person, they're either they're either a Lance or they're a Jane or somewhere in the middle. <laughs> it is a good line. He says that he, he knows there's millions of people around the world that are um, doing it a lot tougher than he's doing. So I think, you know, although it's a bit of a weird confessional to be having at this stage of the game, I think uh, that, you know, they're showing what Lance is all about. You know, he, he is a, a nice, genuine guy. He is struggling. It, it's, it's tough. He's hungry. But even, even you know, on day 25 of this game, he's still thinking about, um, you know, the actual world itself outside the game and how tough it can be. Uh, what I like, too, it, it, this starts the phase of what we see until the end of this episode of Craig and Lance becoming quite close. We, um, we, see, it, we see a confessional from Craig. He talks about how he wants to dig deep and just see how far he can go. He knows, you know, he'll be next in line if he doesn't, doesn't win immunity. We see another um, Craig confessional talking about that he hopes Lance has a few tricks up his sleeve and that he can come out on top. So I think at this stage, you know, Craig wants Lance to somehow get to the end and, he, and he's rooting for him. So um, this, for me, it starts... It starts that bond that you see with Craig and Lance, which ends up going all the way to the end. And, of course, then we go into the next day, which is day 26. And they Rob produces the uh, the wood carvings for the, uh, the Aurora 8 to bring them all together, even though they know that they're going to be voting out Craig first opportunity. This is why Rob's ahead of the game. He was creating Aurora buffs before we did, uh, yeah. basically, a piece of wood. Um it's going to be interesting to talk to Craig next week about really trying to work with Lance because it is interesting because, again, Lance is just the nicest human being in the world and he just doesn't want to believe anything. And I love this little sequence where... And we didn't even... I forgot to bring this up in our last recap. There was a little shot of Lance doing yoga and I don't think we'd seen that at that point. So here he is again doing the downward dog and whatever the hell you call it. And I just love... Lance watching, uh, Craig, sorry, watching Lance. And I'm just wondering, is this where Craig went wrong? If Craig had have done the downward dog and the lotus and the, I don't know what else you do. You don't seem like a yoga man, man, I won't ask you. I don't, I, I've done yoga like on the Wii Fit. It was weird. Um, remember the Wii Fit? Gee, we're dating this episode, aren't we? But like, if he had joined in, do you think he, he might have swayed Lance a little bit? Well, Maybe he just a... had to give him the kiss at the reward challenge. That's what cost him. 
There was a great shot. There was a great shot. They're in the sand dunes, and uh, and Craig, he's just standing there, and there's a bit of a bush behind him, and all you can see is Craig, and then out of nowhere, up pops Lance, and he's yeah, he's doing his yoga, yeah. and it's like, oh, what? But yeah, no stage. Maybe Craig did chip in, uh, you know, get in involved a bit and do some. But then you see another shot later where Lance is still doing it, and Craig's just just sitting on the sand, just what watching him so maybe craig wasn't as flexible i don't know when we were talking to about the great uh visuals of this of this episode as well uh back backing up just a little bit to where lance is talking about people doing it tougher than him there's a fantastic shot of him standing on the beach with his sunset going on um it's beautiful just a silhouette of him against his sunset it's amazing and you've got this shot of lance sitting on a rock kind of looking out over the water just just little you know bits of cinematography there that really really look fantastic and i think it's really important to point out just how good they look um going into the immunity obviously i'll let you read your little tree mail uh coming up but uh just a bit of a topical point here, Matt, for uh, 2020, for those listening to us uh, in 2020 or in the future when we've only got like 10% of us left because we've all died apparently. I don't know. But um, yeah, good to see Craig wearing a face mask. He's obviously a little bit scared of uh, coronavirus walking up there. Not social distancing from Lance. Clearly Lance is a little bit too close there to Craig, but got the old face mask on. Good for you, Craig. Probably just protecting him from all those uh, the bugs. That uh, There was another good photo you put up on social media um, recently, where um, yeah, where you see one of the camera camera guys doing doing his camera work, and you see the amount of flies that are on the back of his shirt. Amazing photo, and um, you put that up a couple of weeks ago. But um, I, I love I love those photos. I love that we get people and and past contestants sending us in these photos of uh, you know that you don't see on TV the the stuff behind the camera. It's fantastic. Now, just before I get into the immunity challenge. Uh, or well, the the mail, the challenge mail. Um, there's another great line. I have to cover it because it's uh, it's another Rob classic. He, he's he, the guy's brilliant. You know, he, he's born to play this game. But uh, he actually heard Craig say to Lance, um, "Can I come up to the top of the hill with you?" And then he says this great line. It's, it's like, oh, it's it's like going up to the top of the hill with Muhammad. You know, like he's, it's in a confessional when he says it and. Oh, it's just a great line. It's just, you know, we know we talk up Rob. There's so many, but there is. Literally every time he speaks, there's a great line that he comes out with. We we mentioned last recap about sort of Rob really ramping up the, the edit, and we haven't brought up confessionals yet at the moment, but um, eight confessionals to Rob this episode, which you think is a lot. Craig gets nine, which equals Rob's from last week. So uh, clearly the, the airtime in this episode dominated by both. But even, actually, having said that, Pretty even spread of confessionals this episode, with the exception of uh, Lance and Jane. Uh, Shona gets seven confessionals. Sophie, five. Joel, five. Uh, actually, sorry, no, I'm reading next week. Joel, two. Shona, six. Uh, Katie, five. Sophie, five. Jane and Lance, only the one. But um, still a, a nice even spread there. But, um, yeah, Rob still with eight confessionals with... Craig dominating the airtime, of course, in his boot episode with nine. That's the most of any boot episode for a contestant in this entire season. Your man, David Haas. And can I just say, we're an hour and a bit into this episode. You haven't mentioned him, Matt. Uh, He got eight, of course, in his boot episode. So, um, yeah, strong, strong edit uh, from both of those players. But I love that Muhammad line. It's, uh, It's a nice little, nice little, another nice little Rob moment. 
It, it is, it is. Now, we go into the challenge mail, and this is a unique one because two of them actually take turns of reading it because there's one lot of words on one shell and then the remaining part on another shell. So it's Lance and Craig that read it out. Lance, uh, he reads out the first bit. Craig reads out the next bit. So, so I'll read it out. Uh, so they're on yeah two shells and they're sort of written around the edges of the shell. So you've got to kind of got to keep turning the shell as you're reading it. So it's I'll, I'll read it out. So Lance says it first. Wakey wakey, hand off snakey. Oh sorry, no, that's wrong. That's that messed up that line. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. What have you been again. reading in your time off? <laughs> My right, goodness. Let me, start, let me start again. Wakey wakey, it's time to eat. You've got thirty minutes to get to your feet. A taste sensation is what you desire. So that was Lance's. Now it goes to the second shell, which is read by Craig. But there will be no cooking around the campfire. Come and see what your taste, tasty treats will be, and one will go home with immunity. Good job. I, I like the snake one better. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I like I like the little shells. It's, it's kind of... Uh, it's a unique little thing. Um, I love it. And... It's actually it's interesting um, to date this episode in a in a weird way. I'm going to backtrack a little bit and come back to one of my pointies here. In one, and this isn't spoiling anything for you, Max. I know you haven't caught up on where we are at Winners at War recording this. There was a, a Winners at War episode in the last week or two where you actually saw them read uh, tree mail, and I don't think it's it's been years since I remember in US Survivor seeing tree mail being read. I don't even think they did it anymore. You just you don't really see it, but. Back to my, I love seeing tree mail. Like, it's just always a weird little thing. It's an old school quirk that I like. But I like it when they do this unique thing. And I don't think we've really, we've talked about it a few times. Like, there was that one with the coloured stones earlier this season. Like, they're a little bit unique, a little bit art departmenty. I like it. But it's just like, what are they? Abalone shells, are they? And they've kind of just a way they've written their writing yeah. around it. And we know the budget wasn't huge for this season, but I think they make up for it. And some of these little quirky little things. But um, this is leaning into one of my all time favourite challenges. And I think this should be a staple of every season of Survivor is a gross food eating challenge. But before we get into it, I do love Shona's little moment there where she's like, oh, maybe it's going to be spinach slice or cherry ripe. <laughs> cherry ripe! Cherry ripe! Uh, she, she loves the cherry ripe. I still, I, we'll have to ask her if she has she gotten into the dark cherry ripes that they do now. This is why she likes Craig. It's the chocolate bond. Yes. You know, the, her, her and Craig just talk about melting black forest and cherry ripe in the bloody microwave and stuff like that. But where, where do you stand on gross food eating challenges, Matthew Dyson? Oh, it, it should be in every season. I think it, it's, it should be mandatory. Um, it's, it's sort of what made Survivor in the early days, wasn't it? That I think if, if you go back 20 years ago, 19, 18 years ago, and you talk to someone about Survivor and you said, oh, would you go on the show? What, one of the first things people who would say no, one of the first things they would say is, oh, I wouldn't do that because I wouldn't be able to eat the gross food that, that in the challenges. Am I, am I right, Ben? Absolutely. And this is, uh, will always be a conversation I'd have with friends or whoever watched Survivor because that would, be the, that would always come up. Um, but, like, that's – I just think it's a staple. I think this and a Survivor auction are staples. They should be in every single season because they, they really – like, it, it's a leveller. I think is the, is the food eating challenge because we're going to see this with Craig. Like he said, this was going to be my downfall, and it's fantastic to watch. And, and I think it's important that elements in Survivor stay the same to what they were originally. I know the game evolves, and it's something that I've heard Russell Hans talk about before, where 
he's talking about you know his game. He can do all uh, the hard stuff. You know, he can go and take a shit in the bush. You know, and and wipe himself with leaves. You know, do all that the gross stuff that people hate doing. You know, that the um. But when they sort of take those things out of the game and you know and and give you a bit more luxury, it allows those people that struggle with that to get a better footing in the game. Where he's like, well, hang on a second, I rely on those hard things in the game to wear people down to then try to manipulate them and, and when they're struggling you know or, or if they have to eat gross food or things like that that's when he can get an advantage in the game and i think that's what survivor is and i totally agree with him now unfortunately players although they still do it tough they also get pampered a little bit as well and i say that with you know they don't have to do these gross eating challenges very often you know they don't have to just go and take a number two in the bush and, and, and you know find a way to clean themselves up. Where certain players that can get over that mental toughness get that advantage in the game, which I like about Survivor, and I wish they would go back to that. Which it, it, Yeah, I completely agree with you. The name of the show is Survivor. Yep. It's literally Survivor. And what sold this game, and the reason why we all tuned in 20 years ago was because we wanted to see random people struggle out there. It was only that social element and the voting out element that gradually took over. Fair enough. Games develop. That's what people tune in for now to see. That's fair enough. But you're right. Like, there is that element of survival that I still want to see. I want to see people struggling. I want to see people living somewhere and not being able to sleep or hating the rain and sort of stuff. You just don't see it anymore. And this is like this gross food eating challenge because... You know, yeah, you hear them talk about like, oh, I'm hungry and all this sort of stuff, but you're getting reward challenges five days into the game now. Like, there was always a build-up to a reward. You started off with a fishing hook. You started off with flint. You started off with some blankets. Then maybe gradually you'd get a spice rack. You know, things like that. And then by the time you hit merge, all of a sudden it is, boom, merge feast. Okay, great. Then you're going to have these individuals, and it really amps up the game a little bit because you want it more at that point. So that's why I think kind of you do miss that element. And I think a gross food eating challenge kind of adds that because, again, it pushes you. Like, we keep bringing up Australian Outback Randall in this episode, but, I mean, one of the most iconic moments in Survivor history is when Kimmy Kappenberg gets, you know, cow brain. She can't eat it because she's a vegetarian, you know, and, like, that causes conflict and drama within her tribe. Little things like that. And it just... Think about it. If this wasn't a gross food eating challenge, Craig probably would have won. Yeah, we want to see Craig keep winning and stirring the pot, but it's a leveller. This is this is not skewed towards any one person. Anyone can win this challenge, and that's a challenge that I like. And, and I know I always refer back to season three Africa, and it is because it's my favourite season of all time. But you know, even one of the one of the challenges that I'll never forget is when they they actually drink the blood straight out of the cow, and then the last it ends up being a tie because they're adding a little bit of milk to it. But the last one, when it's a tiebreaker, it's a not only a little cup, it's a massive glass, and it's pure blood, no milk, and they've got to drink. And that's something that will never. I'll never forget that out of that season. It could be another 30 years. I'll still remember that challenge because it's like, holy shit, you start questioning. When you're sitting on the couch watching it, you're immediately thinking to yourself, could I do that challenge? You know, you, yeah. that's your thought patterns. Are, if I was out there now, could I do that? And that's what I miss about the show. People sitting back thinking, oh, I don't know if I could do that. Could I do that? And it, it, it separates the ones that are true survivors to the ones that are not. And I, I have always said that if I ever get on the show, 
the thing that I would struggle with is the sleeping on the land, the uncomfortableness. Like that to me is where I, I think I would be fine at everything else. I say that now. Play this clip in like five years' time if I ever get on the show and I join you in the first boot club. But because <laughs> let's be honest, I'm going to end up there. Um, and I'd be proud. I'd be a proud member of the first boot club, Matt. Great I'd club. Be a very proud member. It's, it's a fantastic club. club. But yeah, I, that would be the bit that I would struggle because like. I'm not. I'm not not an outdoorsy person. I like the outdoors. I'm not a serene who's scared of leaves and that sort of stuff. But there's a certain level of comfort that I enjoy that I would struggle with. I hate spiders, so I would be freaking out that I'm going to have a spider crawling on me at like two o'clock in the morning. Things like that. But they're never going to air that unless I freak out on the first night and quit, which would be hilarious if I do because I would never live that down. So I'm there. You go, Channel Ten. I'm going to do that just to create drama. So how would you be with the food challenge though? I think I would be fine. I honestly think I would be fine. The only one I've ever said in watching Survivor my entire life, basically, that I would struggle with is the tarantula. That would be in Thailand. When they did that, that is the only one I would have been like, no, nah, I'm not eating that. The, see, I think we're, we're opposites, Ben. I'm the complete opposite. I couldn't care where I sleep. I've done so much camping with traveling and all that. Give me a – long as it's a flat ground, you know, that's fine. I'll sleep on that. I couldn't care less. It, but the food, I would have struggled in the food challenge, although I still would have loved to have that opportunity to go into a food challenge to see how much I really wanted it. And I know I wanted it a lot, so I would have done it. But the thought of eating balut, which is that the, the egg which has already got that, – that, that to me is my worst nightmare, like absolute worst nightmare. And I don't know if I could have done it. Like everyone has that one phobia. M- mine is to be – breaking the shell off this egg which i know has got a, a formed you know egg, like what, what, what do you, you you know what i'm talking what a blute is yeah yeah no i absolutely know what you mean and it's, it's an interesting thing because i totally get you because i'm i'm one of the pickiest eaters you will ever eat i i i am so picky with what i i, I just i'm very particular but i just i feel this is one of those real mind over matter things that i could probably just get through i would struggle on, I mean, it's been a big thing on the Channel 10 version, like that one where you've got to like climb up thing and jump off a big height. I'm not scared of heights, but I'm not, a, I'm not a like a daredevil person. I'm not somebody who I hate rides at the, you know, at theme parks, and I, I, I just wouldn't be that type of person. I would struggle to jump off something high because I've just got that fear in the back of my mind. Those are the things that I would struggle with, and I think that's why it's important to have a different types of challenges. In, in each season, because look at All-Stars. AK, he struggled with heights. Now, I didn't that know. That would be me. Yeah. That would and be, going well, not the that... height thing, but I, I, I still didn't interrupt, but like watching that, I was going to bring that up, that I would have been AK in that moment. Yeah, and, and I had no idea that um, AK struggled with heights, and then we, we sat back and watched All-Stars, and then all of a sudden, you know, he struggled with heights. So obviously that was a phobia of his. Um, but that's what's great about having a mixture of different challenges, and I think it's why... The, this food challenge should be in every season. It's got nothing to do with strength. It's all to do with that mental side of things. You know, you're eating something that you would never eat under any other circumstances. And do you want it enough now to eat it? And we see in this challenge, Rob, the guy that ends up winning the season, he struggles so much to get this food down. And, of course, he doesn't win it because he was never going to win it because this was not a challenge for Rob. And Sophie who, you know, doesn't get a lot of airtime on the season, comes out and she dominates it and wins immunity. It's fantastic. 
Rob loves his mash, his chops, and his peas, right? That's the uh, that's, that's <laughs> what's the line? Oh, he says that later on. He says he's a he's a peas mash and chops man. Yeah. <laughs> Which I. I like I okay. I hate seafood, so it's not like I'm looking at pilchards, bloody baby squid, and fish eyes and going, "Mmm, yummy." I like I hate seafood, but peas are probably peas and corn are the two foods I hate most in life. So for him to say chops, peas, and mash, uh, I can't eat mash at the moment on my current diet, and I got fed chops all the time as a kid. I got fucking sick of lamb chops, so I'd almost eat the pilchards and that because I'm going to cover my nose and I'm going to. Go for town there, but um, yeah, I mean this this challenge at the end of the day, uh, we've we've gone on a lot. You're right, Sophie. Credits history, Sophie, the very first female to ever win individual immunity in Australian Survivor. So I think that's an important thing to point out. But I like this pair up. I like the way they they do this and they sort of get to pairs, and it's it's kind of a little bit of trickery, like Lincoln did the other week, where it was sort of the hey, hold your arm over the fire, let's make things interesting, switch hands. So he's here like. Told you to pair up. You probably thought you were working together, but actually, you're competing against each other. So that makes it very, very interesting. So our pairs in the beginning, we've got Sophie and Shona, Lance and Katie, Rob and Jane, Joel and Craig. The first dish is a pilchard. Um, Sophie dominates against Shona, which is surprising. I thought Shona would have had no trouble in this. Katie beats Lance. Rob beats Jane, because Jane sucks. And the big one... Joel beats Craig, which gets a huge round of applause from everyone. Craig is defeated. Kadena is dead. Yeah, it was a bit of a um, sort of sudden ending to it, wasn't it? All of a sudden, he, he gets knocked out first round by Joel, and uh, I bet you Craig wishes he was pairing up with Jane or Rob by that stage at the start. But it's also um, good to note that the pilchard, I had to actually look that up. So it's a sardine. It's, it's a, yeah. I don't even eat sardines out of the John West bloody tin. So, um, there's no way I could just Are eat a good a, friends at John West, Matt. This is a little, <laughs> yeah, that let's sponsor. They can be our sponsor. For this They're not episode. as good as our good friends at Intel. Of course. No, no how good. Wow. Great to our friends at Intel. <laughs> bloody it was, fantastic. It was great to hear from Naomi too, that she, she had that computer all the way up until, you know, about a couple of years ago, three or four years ago. So, I really, I really hope that we find out from Craig next week that he's got a couple of cans of those solos sitting around uh, 18 <laughs> years later. You know, probably wouldn't be able to drink those at all. But, um, yeah, I mean, is it surprising to you? Like, Shona was the biggest surprise. I thought Shona, like, the hardened woman that Shona is, she's, you know, she's been involved in, like, the military and things like that. I thought that she would do very well at this challenge, but she was kind of out pretty quickly. Yeah, but fair enough, Ben. She she lost to the person that ended up going on to win it. So, in the end, she could True. have been the second best person in this challenge, but... You know, if you get you get beaten first round by the person that goes on to to win the challenge, in Sophie. So, so obviously Sophie beats Shona, Katie beats Lance, Rob beats um, Jane, and Joel beats sucks. Craig. And uh, yeah, the, that, that when they all roared when Craig lost, it um, it showed that those rock carvings meant nothing, did it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but the second <laughs> course, Craig. Is, the, the second course is baby squid. So we've got Sophie up against Joel, which is um, I thought would have been a good challenge, and Katie up against Rob. So Sophie beats Joel and Katie beats Rob, which ends up in a great little showdown between Sophie and Katie. And we know Katie's a big competitor, but this is the worst one of all. So the third course, as Lincoln says, it's for fish eyes. And now it's for 16 fish eyes in a bowl. That's a lot of eyes, Ben. Yeah, just just a few. Um, and I think you said it before, Sophie dominates she doesn't even struggle at all sophie just goes pew 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 and she's done i mean katie does the same too let's be honest katie great final two to see here because katie does great as well but um yeah sophie fantastic um again 
creates history, first female to ever win individual immunity, which uh, I think was it Kylie was the one in Channel 10 was the first. So I think kind of this is one of those trivia things that if you ask this question, who was the first female, people are going to say Kylie. It's not. It's uh, it's Sophie. So um, the thing that I also really appreciate here too is I like kind of when Sophie's got the necklace on and she's like, I'm going to throw up. And I love uh, Lincoln's like, don't throw up. Get the necklace instead. And then I love Lance on the way out. Lance decides to just start eating some fish eyes. What Good on you, Lance. The, what was with that? So there was about eight eight or nine fish eyes left in Katie's bowl. Yeah. So, so it just shows that, that Sophie smashed Katie, like smashed oh, her by more than half the eyes that were left. But what is with Lance getting into – Joel can't believe it either. He's like he's, – if you actually look at Joel, he's almost pointing to the cameraman, like trying to make – he's like, look at this, like look at this. Yeah, uh, this, we haven't actually talked about over-exuberant Joel for a while because we haven't really seen it in a while. But um, one of the great things, and uh, we'll cover it a little bit now when we do the finale, is the, what is it, Surviving Survivor Behind Survivor sort of special. Which, I mean, that might warrant its own episode in itself because there's a lot of great stuff in that episode. But um, there, there's a lot of Joel moments in that one where Joel's kind of playing up to the camera. Like, you know, there's, there's a really nice little moment where he's um basically saying that he's a, he was going to propose to his girlfriend he kind of looks at the camera as if to say like oh shoot i forgot you were recording me oh i may as well keep saying this now um so like yeah i love joel's playfulness that he kind of does this with the camera hence why he was singing before you know that's that's what he does it's joel you know but um yeah so i just i just want to again point this out big deal i just think it's a big deal to to really acknowledge history we did it with craig first individual winner uh, immunity winner. We did it with Naomi last week, first ever jury member, and Sophie, first ever female individual uh, immunity winner. So congratulations, Sophie. I think uh, it's a very, very solid Sophie episode. I think this is the most solid Sophie episode we will get. She gets a bunch of confessionals in the last episode, but, um, you know, if and this is no disrespect to Sophie. It's not Sophie's fault in the slightest. You would say that she's maybe the most invisible contestant this entire season. Um Karen's maybe up there with her, but it's kind of... I like it when we get a player that I feel we don't know as much as these other players who gets all of a sudden a good bit of their personality. I said she gets three gold moments this episode. She hasn't even gotten to number two yet, but here she is winning immunity. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it is good to see some of Sophie because, um, you know, it's... Well, we see it in current day Survivor now, Ben, that, uh, you know... All the contestants don't get an equal viewing on the show. We see that. Some get a completely invisible edit even in today's season. So Sophie actually probably hasn't done too bad when you look back at over the last two seasons of Survivor and how some people don't even get a confessional at all. So, um, but yeah, you know, I'm always happy. You, you want to see as much of these players as you can. You want you want to get an idea of what how they were playing out there and what their personality is. And it is a, it is a great episode for, um, for Sophie. And the one thing that I think is important to point out with that, as you're saying, like we kind of, we don't see some of it again, not Sophie's fault, but there's a, there's a moment here with Rob where basically Rob is calling her out as a threat. And Rob says to her, like, I think you can win. And like, it's always interesting when you hear sort of lines like that. Like one of the ones that comes to mind in the US version is Sierra Dawn Thomas, who sort of came back on Game Changers and everybody was like, in awe, wow, I didn't see this. And people called her out for why the hell is she on Game Changers in the first place? But I remember during Worlds Apart, she was basically my winner's pick, I think, from that season from memory. And she, I, I likened her to a Kim Spradlin because of the way she kind of played. We never saw it in Worlds Apart, but you talk to anyone from Worlds Apart and they constantly talk about how they thought she was going to win. So, again, it's not Sophie's fault 
she's just not getting an edit. And that's sad, that, but that's how Survivor works, as you said. It's it's out of people's control. Like um, Michelle on, uh, not Michelle, or Michelle on All Stars, but um, why have I gone blank on her name on season six, the amazing race girl who literally got no yeah, professionals? Yeah, Sammy, Sammy, show Sammy, thank you very much. And from what everybody else talks about her, she was a big threat, and yet we literally didn't get any confessionals from her, which I think sadly is a record. But the, the one... You go ahead, Matt, because I've got a fun little moment to talk to you. You seem you seem like you're on the cusp here. Is this our Tapara breakthrough? No, <laughs> that comes at no, the end. No, no, I, I was just going to mention. Just there's a couple of little things here as well. We we see Craig do a confessional talking about the challenge that he knew the food challenge was going to be his, his undoing. I thought that was a good little line. Um, you know, he, he obviously knew that he wasn't good with you know getting down all sorts of weird food, and we also find out that Katie finally goes to the bathroom after 12 days. <laughs> now, which which this leads me into Sophie Golden moment number two, and it's kind of on the point here that I mentioned the word golden because, as you're saying, Katie comes back. This is, what, her sixth bowel movement in 12 days. Good for you, Katie. I love how, like, no, Rob no, 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 kind no. of... Ben, no, no, It's her sixth one since being on at Whaler's Way and her first in the, in 12 days. Did I, that's what I meant. I yeah, must have said yeah, yeah. it around no, the wrong no. way. So one time six. you bloody listened to me. You can't just let it go. And, and also, Ben, can I just say, I'm glad you're about to talk about what Sophie says because I rewound it like 10 times and I could not make it out. And I was hoping, I've written it here, like hopefully Ben knows what she says. So take it away, Ben, because I need I to know what she said. did the same thing. This was a Rob talking about Jane's boobs moment all over again. But because um, Shona's is basically like, oh, you know, we know each other too well here when we're talking about this. I also love Katie's subtle little line. It's like, oh, it was like shitting bricks. Good to know that. <laughs> but then <laughs> Sophie says the line, yes, we have no trouble weeing around friends or on friends. <laughs> she is literally talking about pissing on people. But like the thing that's hilarious is the way she gets there and she's like, ah, oh, no, only joking. Only on your best friends. <laughs> so, so we have learned this season that that Karen likes eating people, which we've had to rewind a few times and go, what? Like, you know what? You want to eat people? Like what? We've learned that Rob basically knows that Jane has big boobs and now that Sophie likes a golden shower or two, but only on a best friend. Don't forget the best one of all, that Tim liked the bondage ropes. Tim likes the bondage ropes as well, yes. Now, now, like, this is the thing. We get Sophie on the show. This is a question I feel we need to ask her, but at the same time, I don't want to ask her because that's not a question that I feel you ask someone you've met for the first time, but this is hilarious. No pun intended. This is gold. Like, this is just, just hilarious that she's literally... And it's just the delivery of it. This is what is fantastic about it. It's similar to the Karen situation where Karen doesn't literally utter the words, I like eating people. It was the whole thing where it's like, would you eat a person if you had to? And Karen, like, without thinking, is like, alive or dead. Whereas, <laughs> like, he, like... Literally, Sophie is just, you know, oh, yeah, peeing around friends or on friends. Ha-ha, <laughs> only kidding. Only best friends. Sh- Shona <laughs> always seems to be the one that's right next to him when they say all this stuff. Yes. Oh, it's... It's... Oh. It's gold. It's gold. I'm yeah. just going to keep saying it. It's gold. Um, Sophie, uh, 
You, Sophie, you can easily I don't miss, want to meet your best friends. You can easily miss it too, because I know they talk. I, you could hear the part where she says all the best friends, but I couldn't make out what she, it, I, I know she was talking about pissing, but I kind of you couldn't quite hear it. And I'm glad you you sorted that out and worked out exactly what it was. Yeah, it's a bit sad on my behalf if I'm the one who's jumping on the golden shower aspect there. Um, I think kind of in the lead up though. Now, the, the one thing that actually I I thought there was a lot. When I say this, it's a weird thing. Like, there is definitely Craig scrambling, but I feel like you visualise Naomi scrambling a little bit more, whereas Craig, it's more subtle. And Craig has one of the confessionals of the season coming up here when it comes to just his manipulation of what he's trying to do. It is incredible. Um, But Joel essentially goes to Craig and kind of, you know, talks to him like, tell me, tell me again. Uh, And then just Joel cannot believe that Rob's involved. And that's important. It's an important little moment because Joel, Rob, it's going to be a, the key moment of this season. We keep teasing that. Um, Rob obviously talking a lot about Shona here. I love Rob's little line here talking about how Shona's a remarkable 49-year-old. And you got that great so, uh, Shona confessional where she's essentially saying that, like, look, I'm, I'm older now, but my will to win doesn't go away. Um, and you just kind of have this real like back and forth, really just showing some dynamics of the Tapara tribe, which is interesting because we should really be seeing this next week because Craig's still in the game fighting. But I, I, I props to the editors here. I think it works. I really think it works. Like you got this great moment with Katie, you know, saying that you know Sophie rides horses, so she's clearly rich. Uh, I've got three hundred bucks in my bank account, so she can get stuffed. Sophie calling out Katie, uh, you know, essentially going off at her. Sophie then going to Rob. And basically saying, I want to go to the end with you. I want you to win. Um, we have this little driftwood pointless ceremony with the Cesar Roar. And I kind of say, props to Rob's penmanship. He's great at carving. That's fantastic looking uh, carving work there. Um, Katie going on about having to have faith in Shona because they're a little bit worried that, you know, Shona might be flipping here. Uh, Katie, again, this is the point I made before. I love Katie just playing along with Shona here. Like, this is where Katie, I think, can control her emotions a lot better than people give her credit for at this point in the game. Let me just point that out. But jumping here to Craig, again, maybe the confessional or the sort of the gameplay moment of the season here, it's just so great. Like, you start off with Craig's little confessional where he's like, yeah, I'm kind of screwed, but I've, I've got a joker up my sleeve. And he, he says to Rob, I'm voting for you tonight. I've voted for you already, but you're going to have three votes against you. You're going to have Lance having three votes. I've made a deal with someone and I have to keep my promise. It's not personal. Now, I had a double take there because I'm thinking, did he make a deal? Is this is he talking with Shona here and everything? And even I'm a little bit confused. And then it crosses to Craig, who's like, I had to make him make believe that I've got to deal with someone. This is maybe not going to work, but this is my way of maybe at least getting them to watch their back a little bit. And th- why I say this is so good, because you wouldn't blink at this at all in Modern Survivor. You would think, yeah, okay, fair enough. Like, he's he's making up something. It's like making up a God an Idol. You know, no one's going to believe that. This is 2002, 2001 that it's filming. No one had done this in the US one. No one had done anything like this. Craig is literally putting the fear of God up Rob to basically be like, I've made a deal with someone. And again... Rob is in complete control. He's thinking he's got all these little things working. You hear that in your head and you're going to panic. Now, the one slight mistake is maybe that Craig's saying this to Rob. If he said it to Katie, it's going to maybe skew things a little bit. Rob, I'm sure there were conversations because we know Rob panicked a little bit when he got his votes, but we don't see it. But this is genius. This is genius for 2001 gameplay. 
again, Craig, so ahead of his time. And I just love the way it's edited. I love the way you intersect back to Craig. And he's just like, I don't have a deal with anyone, but I'm just making him believe it. It's fantastic. I think what's important here is is he Craig knows he's going home. He he knows it. He knows it's dead and buried. He's lost immunity. He's going home. And he's had such a rivalry with Rob that he just he he just wants that. It's it's almost just that that last little mind fuck before he leaves. You know he he wants to let he's coming clean. He's like you know what? Yeah, I was the one voting for you, and you're getting another one tonight. And by the way, you're going to be three three with you and Lance. So. So, you know, see if that ruins your game. You know, that's what he's saying to him. He is. He, it's, a, it's a mind fuck to say, well, I might be going tonight. You win. However, you're now three and three with Lance. So um, just something to think about, mate. I'll backtrack myself as well. And I say, when I say confessional of the season, in terms of gameplay, like, let's be honest, I'm not here to play tiddlywinks is the confessional oh, of the season, I, I, at least right now. Uh, but yeah. yeah can can you're, I just you're say right. too, I know you brushed over a little bit of um, Shona stuff leading up to that. And I'm just, just going to slightly go back. So this is, we're on day 27 by this stage. And there's some, there, there is some great Shona stuff. And, you know, I even put a mark next to one of them because I, I want you to, to put this... Um, this confessional up on our social media pages, but she talks about, it's just a great line. And I think it says a lot for Shona. I'm a big Shona fan in this game. And she talks about like, she's 49 now and she lacks a lot of things that she was when she was 24. Obviously she was a lot fitter back then and all that, but even at 49, she still hasn't lost that will to win. Yeah. You know? And I think she's basically referring to, cause we know Katie's 24 at the time she played. So we see her and Katie quite close, and Katie's a real athlete. You know that's what she did did for a job. You know she she was a she was an athlete. But Shona's saying, well, I mightn't have that. It, it may have diminished over time my ability to, to be like that at 24, but that will to win never goes away. And I think that does say a lot for Shona, and I think it's important to mention because you then see Rob talk about Shona and saying like, she basically does everything for the tribe. She collects the water. She, she, she basically would put them all to bed at night, but she still, you know, the first one to get up, she, she does everything for the tribe and still has all this energy. You're not listening to me again, Matt. I did mention that remarkable 49 year old quote before, but I, I didn't mention the other stuff. <laughs> I know. No, I, I wasn't listening to it. I just, I, I get you little, though. I get I, you. Though. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was a great line. And I, and I thought that, you know, I just wanted to, to, to touch over it again because if anyone ever questions why Shona got to the end, it's moments like this that I think it's important to mention to so people understand why she, she didn't just get herself to the end because she got carried to the end by Rob or by Katie. She got herself to the end, and I think it's important that we cover off on that. I feel like I just wanted some more conflict between us. I feel like we're too nice sometimes, you know, like... <laughs> You know, best podcast when they actually hate each other. But, you know, you're right. And and one thing, actually, too, that I felt I gelled over before is um, Katie mentions at one point that she's starting to get sick of Shona. Yeah, like, irritated by her, ir- yeah. Yeah, she's getting irritated. And, again, she's she's confiding in Rob as well here. So, again, look at Rob. We talked about it before. Rob's getting all the goss from everyone. He's getting it from Sophie. He's getting it from Shona. He's getting it from Katie. He's knowing everything. So, this is what's really helping with Rob. Um, so yeah, it's fantastic. Did you have any thoughts on the, on the Craig situation though? Like, uh, I just, I didn't know if you had anything to sort of add on just any, anything more. Cause no, we can I, get into I, tribal. Just, yeah. I just, I loved what, um, what Craig did. I, I love that he, he had one more dig at Rob. I think at the end of the day, he knows he's going home. You know, he spent time talking to Lance. He knows he's not getting anywhere with Lance or Joel. So what do you do then? You can just, what do you just sit at camp and just wait till tribal council comes or, 
or do you try to have that little bit more impact in the game by just stirring the pot a little bit? I, th- I love that Craig did that. And also, just before we get to Tribal, we get another great Katie confessional that Craig is a manipulative little snake. I find him offensive. Uh, gold, literally, by Katie Gold. Tribal, another, again, not necessarily... It's it's interesting. I seem to say this every single week, but I think kind of this is one of the weaknesses of Season 1 Australian Survivor is that the tribals are never super groundbreaking in terms of the content we get, which, again, is it's a positive and a negative. Like, again, I hate whispering and all the overdramaticness of Tribal Council today, but I think there, there maybe needs to be a bit more of a, a balance at Tribal, and sadly, we don't get it a lot. No, I agree. And sorry, Ben, I hate to have to go back one more time, but I ha- I actually did mention this earlier in the podcast and I need to talk about it. So I did mention that Katie, there's some words that she mentions with, you know, we, we talked about, she mentions about uh, weasel and all that. There's one word here that she uses to describe Craig. And I actually had to Google it because maybe I'm the only one that didn't know this name. I don't know uh, this word, but I, I don't know. But m- it may it may be a word that you use every day, but molly molly cod, coddling, molly coddle, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. like you've got to basically look after. You've got to you feel you've got to um um like if it, I molly coddled you, I felt like I'd have to be around you to help you out a little bit and look after you a little bit and yes. kind of yeah. So is it a word like I? It's not a word that I use. I don't think I've. I used I mean it. I don't say I use it every day. Like as you yeah, but like I've definitely used it. Or I think my mum would use it a little bit. It's like, probably an old. Yeah, I've definitely know that word. So, yeah. I, I, so I wrote out the definition: is to treat someone in an indulgent or overprotective way. And and she's using that word to describe. Um, says that Cra- that Craig's been doing that to to Shona, and that um, she has she hopes that she has faith in Shona that she's a strong enough woman and intelligent enough to see that. But I, I just I had to bring that up because. You know, you're learning stuff on ASA. I, I, in my 37 years on this planet, I've never used that word. It's not a word that any of my family ever used. So I, I did quickly Google it and get the def- definition. Slight sidebar before we get back into tribal. Um, the one thing that I actually take away from this Katie and Craig stuff is, again, going back to my point that you never see it on screen. We do in the reunion, um, but that obviously comes after it's been aired so Craig would be able to rebut to what Katie's been saying. It is a bit disappointing that we couldn't get this play out because this had the makings of a great rivalry. Imagine if Craig kept winning and kind of we got some conflict on screen between Katie and Craig because it is a very unique little arc between these two because think about the merge and Katie's infatuated by Craig, you know, like that whole flirting little moment about like, oh, stop it, you are. No, you are. Like it's kind of, it's a little bit of a moment there. So I love that sort of dynamic that starts from there and here we've got, the last thing we hear Katie talking about Craig in an episode that Craig's in is, you know, I'm, you know, he's offensive and he's a manipulative little snake. He's a weasel. He's an asshole. Like, it's just, it's something that I wish could have played out in our screen a little bit more. Because it would have been, like, imagine if Craig had been in that final four when Katie's, like, completely breaking down. And let's be honest, if she had to kill someone, it would have been Craig. <laughs> well, he, he, Katie calls here, uh, Craig a manipulative little snake. Another great yep. line. Um, and and uh, Craig mentions in a confessional that he's he's got another Joker up his sleeve. So um, brilliant, it, yeah, it it's is so it's, good. It is, it is. So um, no, but I, I love that Craig's really. Uh, sorry, Katie's really called Craig by this stage every name under the sun, and just before tribal, she she calls him a snake, which I think is brilliant. 
And let's be honest, it's not the best lot of name calling we're going to get from Katie Gold this season. Uh, let's think about words as dumb as dog shit and all that sort of stuff that we've still got a few more weeks to get to, but I'm... Oh, oh she's gold. So good. She's Katie Gold. Absolutely. Yes. But, um, yeah, the trouble, as I said, you know, a bit of a detractor from this season that, yeah, they're not fantastic and they're not, you know, something that we can really talk about. One thing I do, like... Lincoln, we've, we've talked up and he sort of talked in his interview about how he'd come in here and sort of have prepared questions and things like that. But I do have to say, I do appreciate that Lincoln's questions are very clearly done after seeing a little bit of the episode. Because basically his question to Jane, he's like, so Jane, do you think people deserve to be here <laughs> at all? Jane? Jane? Anyone? Jane, do you deserve to be here? W- one thing I've learned from even just my short time on the game and, and you know, watching a lot of Survivor, hearing a lot of podcasts, if they're asking you a question at Tribal, you've got to ask, you've got to think to yourself, why are they asking you that question? Uh, if they're asking you these questions to get in a confessional out of you, you once again, for anyone that's going to play the game, you've got to think why are they are, they're asking me this for a reason. Um, in this instance, obviously Lincoln's asking Jane if, if she thinks everyone deserves um, to be there, she's asked. He's asking Jane that for a reason. Dick Lincoln is back. He's basically saying, "Jane, we all know you suck. You really, really suck. Why do you suck so much?" And also, actually, one thing I'll point out about this tribal though, we get sort of real casual, nice Lincoln back here at the beginning, like, "Hey guys, welcome back. Another windy night. Let's hope the rain holds off, shall we? <laughs> How you going, guys? Oh, let's bring in Naomi. I know she hates the bloody ship, but here she is. And I love everyone's reaction to when Naomi comes in, like, you know, wow, you're all clean. <laughs> yeah, I know. I reckon, uh, I reckon Craig had a second take too when, oh, when, when, when Naomi, Craig had more than when two. Naomi walked in all nice and clean and all dressed up looking great. Um, I'm sure Craig's thinking, well, you know, I might be going home tonight, but, uh, you know, I get to see Naomi again in a little bit cleaner conditions. But talking about nice, they, he asked Lance about, you know, about sharing the pizza reward. And Lance mentions that he, he thinks everyone would have sh- done the same thing and shared the pizza. Do you really, you, you mentioned it before, do you reckon everyone would have? I would have loved if Craig, Craig wouldn't won have. it. Nah. Jane wouldn't have because she sucks. <laughs> um I'm so I'm, I'm really sorry, Jane, if you ever listen to this. I literally don't think you suck, but this is fucking hilarious because clearly, according to everyone, you suck. It's, so, it, well, it's the edit. Um, it's the edit she got, uh, wasn't it? Yes. Rob, he asked Rob about the money, which I think's great considering he's the one that ends up going on to win it. Uh, but uh, you know, Rob makes it clear that well, it's getting closer now. They're, they're going to be down to the the, the T- Tapara members by the end of this uh, episode. So. You know, if you know the money's definitely getting closer to your thoughts. Um, he asked Katie about, you know, does he does she worry about what people think of her? And um, you know, Katie being Katie says, well, you know, she doesn't really care about what people think at the end of the day. They've got to make up their own own minds. And um, of course, Craig just mentions at the end that he's, he's fought and all he's fought all the way to the end, and there's basically not much else he can do. Um, and also the third. Uh, Sophie Gold moment for the episode is I do love the and this is tying into my thing at the very beginning of the episode is the iron guts moment when Lincoln's like so do they call you iron guts now and then I love Sophie's little reaction which is kind of like oh yeah <laughs> like so I'm just it's a weird thing to say because Craig and Rob are on par for MVP of this episode even Katie just because it's kind of villainous Katie 
almost want to give Sophie the. I mean, we haven't done this all season. This really should have been something we've done all season. But I want to give Sophie the the MVP, the new award that we're apparently giving out here now on the spot of this episode because I just we're not going to get this from her at all for the rest of the season. We haven't had it all season, so um, I enjoy Sophie this episode. It's it's. Yeah, good, yeah, good moments by absolutely. her. Absolutely, this is Sophie's biggest episode, and um, you know, towards the end there, two of this episode, we, Rob mentions that she, she's a genuine threat to win as well. So that they're not looking at, they're not looking at Sophie in the same way as Jane. I think that's fair to say that uh, although Sophie doesn't get the, the biggest edit of all, that um, you know, they still think she is a threat to, to win the game, and it's great that we get to see a lot of her in this episode. Because Jane sucks, we all know it. Um, but yeah, we 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 kind of know where this is going. Craig ultimately goes home. Sadly, he didn't have an idol, so he couldn't find one at the last moment. So Craig goes. I do like the um, little moments when they're voting. I do like when Craig sort of uh, votes for Rob. Like, hopefully, this will mentally get to you. Great little moment there, and uh, clearly, it's going to work. Uh, I also love Katie's vote there. You know, take your story walking, pal essentially, and draws a shark, which is funny when Lincoln pulls it out. Like, I just love Lincoln. Craig, with a shark. Like, like, God, Lincoln, you're incredible. Like, that's not something that JLP or someone's going to do. Like, just nice Lincoln. Um, Katie, when when she does her vote, she's once again great. She has one more dig saying, uh, obviously voting for Craig. She says, you've played too many games, told too many stories. And now you can st- tell your story walking. <laughs> it's great. Um, also, I love the voting out too. Like the first vote for Craig, they kind of cut to Naomi. She has a little bit of a smile on her face. Um, nice little moment there. But, uh, yep, the the inevitable has happened. Craig is sadly gone, which um, it, it is a sad moment because, like, you kind of want him to keep winning. You like his sort of manipulation and, you know, any other season, he, he easily would have done it. But, um, yeah, he, it's a unanimous vote, 7-1. Shona ends up voting for Craig which uh, I don't think we all thought he she wasn't going to at all, so a bit surprising there. But, um, yeah, Craig is gone. And it's a little um, a nice little ending with Lincoln, too, after Craig walks off. Um, yeah, he obviously mentions that, that they've done it, that Tapara have done it. They've got rid of all the Kadena members, and uh, next time it's going to be one of their own, which I think is a, a nice little ending comment um, just to let them know, well, you know, this is a new part of the game now. You're going to turn on each other. And let's let's be honest. This is where I think most people remember this season really ramping up. And, you know, we're obviously trying to point out that this season here is like it's, it's ramping up already. But, um, you know, because realistically every single week now, with the exception of Jane's vote because she sucks, uh, is going to be a blindside in, in what you would call a blindside in modern Survivor. It really is. Like, we kind of have every single vote now has a bit of a story around it, which is fantastic. Um, we're going to obviously eulogize Craig here a little bit because we've got a bit to go. And I actually need to uh, bring a little bit back from a couple of weeks ago that I forgot to mention about Naomi. Um, but next week on the episode where we kind of see the preview, we've got Katie still upset, <laughs> Joel's going a bit loopy, and there's all the stress that's happening around it. So, um, yeah. Like, he, Katie's calling someone a creep. And I think yeah. it's, she's referring to Craig, I think. Yeah. But then I think from memory next week, um, yeah, the, the, the Joel stuff's going to be interesting to talk about uh, when we get to that next recap because I'm pretty sure next week, next episode that we recap is there's a very uh, – it's there's a confessional and a little edit that doesn't age well. And I okay. didn't – like it's something that we can't really avoid, but we'll get to that. But – I will say, I keep saying next week, I mean the next episode we recap, because next week we're obviously going to have Craig, and we'll mention that in a minute. 
The next episode, Matthew Dyson, be prepared for the worst challenge in the history of Survivor. You will see what I've been referring to all season. And if you defend this challenge in any way, <laughs> I don't know what I'll do. I'll, I'll sing more in excess. All right, you're putting a little <laughs> bit of pressure on me here. Obviously, I have seen this season through... Um, yeah, up until even up a few months ago, I watched it all again, but uh, I still can't remember exactly which challenge you're talking about. So during the it's week, the epitome I'll of lazy, Matt. Okay. This is where the budget clearly has run out. Well, when I re- gone, oh shit, what can we do? <laughs> when I rewatch this episode um, for our next recap, I'm sure that uh, it's going to my memory will be uh, reminded straight away, and um, we'll see if I agree with you or not. Uh, but there were some great last words by. Um, Craig as well, which I think we need to talk about, that uh, he mentions he enjoyed every moment and wouldn't hesitate to do it all again and that he's happy with how he performed. I think that's important too because I've mentioned this and we both have mentioned this a lot throughout this season, recapping this season, but uh, you know, it, it really is a shame that, that Craig didn't get the opportunity to go on All-Stars because I think we've clearly shown and, and we've also we've been able to sell it without having to do too much effort of selling um, Craig of how good he was as a player. And I really do think that he deserved to get a second shot, whether it be, you know, 19 years later, I think that's beside the point. I think he earned that. I think he earned that chance to play a game. And and it's it's a shame that that was taken away from him. Um, He mentioned that his worst memory was going into the merge uh, in their minority. He wishes that it was a little bit closer. Maybe if they went into the merge, you know, with, Five, four, even if it was a, he was in the, the the minority, he may have been able to swing a few votes. Going in, you know, with only you know three to seven, um, it was um, it was just too much for him in the end. And his best memory, of course, which I thought was fantastic to end this episode in uh, with, was his best memory was sharing the reward with, of course, Naomi. Um, if anyone's listened to that interview we've had with Naomi, we've asked, was there any anything further happen with him and her like did anything happen and uh you know so we've been told well you know we have to ask craig but um you know obviously craig did enjoy enjoy uh naomi's company because that was his best moment in the whole game it's totally a yes we know it's a yes um <laughs> but you're right if 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 this had a lasted Australian Survivor, um, the same way the US one, if we were like up to season forty now or whatever it is, like he he would have returned multiple times. I mean, he's easily would have been a shoe in for a, a Survivor All Stars, you know, fifteen years ago. Um, because you know it's he ticks all the boxes, and I think that had social media existed and things like that, he'd be a huge fan favorite. Had they oh, done a fan yeah. favorite sort of poll, he would have been very much up there. Uh, and just it is a shame. And it, like it's kind of we talked about the DVD covers a couple of weeks ago that we had that great listener make for us. And yeah, I think kind of the re-edited version where Craig was Craig would be a shoe in for for that. I mean, if you were to list your your top three, top four players from this season, Craig would be in probably the top three. Um, oh, yeah. I, I would, I would, and maybe controversial, I'd probably put him ahead of Shona, just yeah. in terms of one of the, the stars and game players of this season. Yeah, I, I was thinking it would be Rob, Katie, Craig, and then Shona. That's the order I would yeah. have it in. Um, and you know I'm a big fan of Shona, but it just, I mean, Craig was brilliant. And I I think it maybe is the one small blight on Australian Survivor history that we had an All-Stars and Craig wasn't a part of it. Um, obviously, Katie as well. But um, 
you know, I know it's different network. I know we've discussed this multiple times now, but really they you had to find a spot for Craig in, in that All-Stars. 100%. 100%. Um, going over a few things with Craig now, our Luke Dennehy form guide, which, again, this is what I need to kind of retcon a little bit and go back over Naomi from a couple of weeks ago because I uh, completely forgot to do this. Sorry, Naomi. Um, Luke Dennehy said that... K, uh, sorry, Naomi was very strong physically and independent. Her cons, older contestants may see her as a threat early on. She got a four-star rating, Naomi. Uh, so big star there. She actually got more of a rating to win the game than Craig did. Craig, pros, physically very strong. Cons, rumours that he's a bit of a ladies' man <laughs> won't go in his favour. <laughs> well... What well, do you know? He was he was a good-looking guy. He was in his late 20s, physically fit. He was a warrior, as we, we now know. Um, you know, they say the 20s are the best years of your life, so good on him. He was a ladies' man. I, I still, You know what? I still wish this did have a happy ending. I wish that him and Naomi ended up did staying, you know, hooking up, staying together and being the original... Um, the original Survivor romance, I think, um, I think they were well suited, and it would have been a good ending to this to this season. Do we not only have the one remaining, uh, Mark and um, what and was the name from season Sa- four? Sam Gash, yeah, Sammy. They've had a baby together. Yeah, they, yeah, no, they're going strong, and it's great to see. Because Lee that... and Elle broke up, didn't they? Yeah, um, yep, and and all four bromance alliance broke up as well. Yeah, well, you know. Um, but actually, one thing on that, though, uh, looking through the official guide, uh, I do like a couple of Craig's answers here, which kind of toe the line between a bit of a ladies' man and obviously a bit of a uni- unique guy. Uh, if you were stranded, who would you most likely to be stranded with and why? He says, I could certainly handle some bikini models or my favourite actresses, but a stranded could be forever. Forever would be with the love of my life. Ah, oh, what a what a nice answer. And it's actually it's a bit sad to read kind of some of this because he um he says his most embarrassing moment to have to unannounce your engagement after three days was pretty embarrassing. Uh, and what has been the biggest challenge in your life so far, and how have you dealt with it? He says the emotional roller coaster of one day being in love, then engaged, and on top of the world, to the next being confused, scared, and very much single was draining. While it was self initiated and concluded amicably. I found dealing with it an extremely challenged way to understand someone who I thought I had always known me. So uh, this is again, I one thing I feel we've talked about it, but maybe not a point out a lot. Craig's very intelligent, um, and I think kind of it shows with some of these answers here. And he's he's really charismatic, intelligent, all this sort of stuff. I do like in his other answers here. His luxury item was a Rubik's cube. I don't know if we ever saw that on screen. I wish we had of though. Uh, good to see. So he, uh, a this little way, so bit. You get get this right. So you're telling me Jackie wasn't the Jackie Glazier wasn't the first Rubik's cube so-called player, it was actually Craig. Another travesty wow. that our season one gets forgotten about here. Come on now, people. It was all Craig. Um, I also love the um, the fact that this is very relevant to today, and maybe this goes back to showing why Craig had that buff over his face before. What pisses him off? Someone who coughs in your face. <laughs> there you go. Craig, very self-isolating man uh, in 2001. So it sounds like he'd be he'd get very triggered in these uh, pandemic times right now. If anyone's around him coughing, he'd be uh, getting very triggered very easily. I also like some of his little answers here. Um, his favourite colour is blue or green. 
Favourite smell, salt air. He loves native flowers. His favourite game is Pictionary and Risk. Favourite sport, surfing. Favourite sports team, Geelong. I mean, they're not the worst AFL team, but they're not the best. Favourite TV show, All Saints. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, Were remember you that. an All Saints man, were you, Matt? I was not. No, I was not. Blue Healers man? I was. Yes, of course. Uh there you go. Uh, you're always one. Aggie, um, Aggie and all, yeah, they had the, she, yeah, Lisa McKinn. Yep. I remember Grant Bowler was in it for yes. a while, my man. Um, favorite actress, Susan Sarandon. Uh, favorite magazine, FHM. <laughs> <laughs> F- favorite dinner, Mum's Roast. Um, favorite chocolate or lollies, what do you think his answer is, Matt? Would have to be Cadbury Black Forest, wouldn't it? You are 100% correct. Favourite dessert, Baked Bomb Alaska. Favourite alcoholic beverage, Scotch, Johnny Walker and Coke. And favourite non-alcoholic beverage, Cordial. The other little tidbit that we have now, um, I don't think we've shared this quite yet on our social media. We will be at one point. Um, Naomi mentioned uh, a little bit to us while we were talking to her that she had uh, a couple of bits of merchandise. She had um, magazines of uh, People magazine, hottest people of 2002 something that we were aware existed but we had never seen it now naomi happened to have a copy of that she happened to uh take a couple of pictures of us as i said we'll share this in our social media at one point but one certain craig abbott appeared in this magazine uh now i, I kind of want to read this but i also kind of want to save it for next week because i kind of want to read it to craig and actually get his thoughts on it but um i do like uh a couple of little of the lines here that he says. Um, he's talking about that he trained six times a week to get on Survivor, studied videos of the Bush Tucker Man, and uh, taught himself how to weave baskets from reeds. So uh, a couple of little things there. And he talks about a certain little addiction in this, which uh, I don't know if you want me to spoil now or save till we get him on the show next week. No, I, I reckon we, we're, I'm already dropping a bombshell today, so I think we save that for next week, Ben. I think we save it and actually talk to Craig himself because, and, and I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a straight guy, but how good does Craig look in this magazine? No wonder he, he made, was it the top 25 celebrity bloody best looking people of all time? I, him and Katie. I think it was got- 2002. Him and Katie made that uh, issue. Uh, to date, this magazine, though, Holly Valance is on the cover. There's a name that hasn't been mentioned since 2004. But, you know, um, yeah, we'll bring that up next I, week. I want this bombshell. Actually, hang on. Before the bombshell, I, you talk. I was going to say, I'm interrupting you. No, Go ahead. I was just going to say, because obviously Naomi sent us those photos in, and I originally thought it was Naomi and Craig that were in the, the, the top 25 uh, in, in that magazine. But you're right, it was Katie. But uh, I asked Naomi, I asked her if... Um, if they ever approached her to, to do it. And she said no, which is actually surprising to be on. Maybe I know Katie got right to the end and she was a big star of that season. But, I, you know, I did think probably it would have been Naomi that would have got in that magazine. But she did say, obviously, she's a PE teacher now and she's probably glad that she never never got asked to do it and said yes. I think, actually, before we get to this bombshell, uh, final thoughts on Craig. Uh, we, we, again, we've we got him on the show next week. We're, we're so looking forward to our chat with Craig, and I am, I'm calling this right now that this will be our longest interview that we will probably do to this point. I can imagine sort of down the line, you know, Katie's interview will be nice and in-depth, and I'm looking forward to that. But we're going to have a long interview next week. I'm so looking forward to, to chatting with Craig. Do you have any final thoughts on him? I'll just simply say that, a man ahead of his time, so ahead of his time, 
And yeah, top three star of Australian Survivor season one and should be remembered a lot more than he is. When we first started this this podcast, ASA, obviously that's when we got to know Matt Carr and, and all his memorabilia he had. And, you know, I had a lot of conversations with Matt Carr and he, and he constantly talked about how good Craig was and, and how he was such an underrated player and was one of the best players on the season. And I have to admit, when he was first telling me that, I was like, oh, really? You know, was he really that good? And I can't agree with Matt anymore now. Like, I can totally see how good Craig is. I've already just said, you know, he was he was robbed not getting on All-Stars. He should have been no matter what. They should have just found a spot for him. And he was a great addition to that season. One of the one of the best castings they had. And, um, you know, if, if only he was in a maybe a better tribe where he could have got further in the game, but, um, you know, or, or could have won a few more immunities in a row. But the, the guy was brilliant. He's, he's one of the, you know, the top, probably top 10 Australian Survivor contestants of all time. And, um, you know, I can't wait to, to talk to him and, and, and get his opinion all these years later about how he played and, you know, what Survivor was back then. Absolutely. Um, absolutely agree with you. Um, so, yeah, we, we will uh, obviously be looking forward to next week chatting to him uh, about how he, how everything that we want to know. In conversations I've had with him in the lead-up, he said he's got a lot of stories to tell us. Uh, so I, I'm very much looking forward to that. I'm actually just, I've quickly pulled up to our, back on the Oz Network, we've mentioned a few times, I think we did a, a overall ranking of all the players uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Cable and myself, and my God, this would change so much now. But uh, Craig ended up on 22nd on that list. Um, and just looking at some of the players ahead of him here, uh, he would be a lot higher. Uh, yeah, a lot higher. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I yeah. think until you until you sit back, and obviously we've really studied this season, we've watched it mul- multiple times, and it's the little things that, that you often miss. If you only watch it once and you're sitting on a couch and you, you're sort of, you know, messing with your phone or not quite concentrating enough, there's things you miss. But when you actually sit and watch it multiple times and watch every second of the show, it's when you truly see how good someone is. And, and look, Craig was fantastic. He, you know, I stand by that he's probably in the top 10 of all time Australian Survivor players. And, and, and yeah, it will be great. You know, this is what I love about doing this podcast is we, you know, we get to, to talk to all these these contestants, but to be able to talk to someone like Craig is going to be awesome. In fairness, Craig was fourth uh, if you rank them by season one players. Uh, so obviously it went Robert, Katie, Shona, and then Craig. So, um, you know, he still did beat a lot of people who came ahead of him. So there you go. All right, Matthew Dyson, you've, you've triggered me at the beginning of this episode. I've been hanging on to this. Um... What is this reveal? I, I don't... I don't even... Like, this is legit. Can I just point out, this is 100% legit. If people are thinking we're just playing this up for shits and gigs. I, I have no clue about this. Matt has not even given me a hint until I press record and told me, this is probably going to be the lamest reveal ever. What are you going to say? <laughs> that Tapara is the name of your upcoming child? I, I, not that you're, I don't know. Are you pregnant? Is this what it is? Like... <laughs> no, no, no. Look... We know now that uh, we've we've just set our farewell uh, recap episode for for Craig, which leaves no Kadena members left in this tribe. So it's all Tapara from here on in. Uh, ben, look, when we started this podcast, you, you're the expert in 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 podcasting and radio and especially Survivor history, and, and I'm just a guy that that played a couple of days and it's a, a show that I've I've loved all my life. But uh, 
The one thing I I bring to this podcast is I'm a bloodhound. I I I made a promise to all the listeners right from the start that I would hunt down people and would not give up until I found them. No, I haven't found Ben the Marine from Celebrity Survivor. I'm still working on that one. Uh, ben Dark. No, ben Dark. No, I, I think it's better ah. than Ben Dark. So we're now... I know That's we haven't interviewed Karen yet, and we <laughs> hope to do that in the future, but we are moving on to Tapara members. And look, we're at that stage now. There's, there's seven Tapara members left, but there's one that's often forgotten about and that's the first Tapara member that didn't wow. make the merge that didn't make the jury uh he was the fourth player to be voted out he was the oldest member of the whole cast he has no social media footprint ben how long have we did we start this podcast about nine months ago would you say um I think it's at maybe six, six maybe okay. not nine. So, yeah, okay, so six six months ago. So we, I've been searching for these for all these contestants for six months, and some have been a lot harder than the other. But I, I would like to inform you right now, Ben, and, and this is seriously the first time Ben's heard heard this. That I, it I'm, is. This is why I'm literally saying wow when he's saying this, yeah. because I, I this is legitimately the first time I've heard this. Yeah, I, I made a promise that uh, I wouldn't give up. I, I would keep going as long as I could until I tracked down all these people and – through the week, Ben, I've finally tracked down the one, the only, the 71-year-old, no social media footprint, Mr. Jeff Brown, the original Tapara member who was voted out, the only member of the tribe to be voted out before merge. I've tracked him down, Ben, and look, this has been six months. He said no. <laughs> ben, this, this is big tease, isn't it? You're no. just going to tell me, and he's told us to fuck off. No, no. Look, honestly, <laughs> this this story has ended better than I could have even dreamt of six months ago when I when I started this. Um, I finally managed to track him down. Of course, he was an ex police officer, and just the, the, you know, to try to track down a 70, 71 year old that that you that has no social media footprint is almost impossible. And uh, he's he's still living in the ACT. And uh, I've gone through old police journals. I've tried to work out who possibly had worked with him. I tracked down people. I messaged people. I made phone calls. And finally, Ben, as of a few days ago, I got a phone number for his wife who I rang, Jan, his beautiful wife that he's still married to today. And and obviously, he's got grown-up kids together now. And uh, when I, I, I spoke to Jan first, and I don't think she could believe here I was ringing, I had to explain who I was, and uh, she was a little in shock. But then she said the golden word. She said he's, that Jeff is still a massive Survivor fan all these years later. And, of course, she, she put me on the phone to Jeff. And uh, the, can I just say, Ben, the phone call went for over two hours. I was on the wow. phone to Jeff for two hours talking all things Survivor. He's a massive fan of Survivor still to this day. Even when I was talking to him, he said he was looking out at his garden where he still has his um, his um, Survivor torch, you know, his torch that he got voted out with. And uh, still, and, and some of the stories, mate, I'm not going to tell him now because obviously when, when we get him on the show, we'll, we'll hear all about it. But, but, Ben, he has so much to talk about. So many great stories. He was telling me stories about him and Tim when they were in the, the lockdown phase after the after they were voted out. And, uh, mate, honestly, this this could go down as as one of the the best interviews we're going to do. Honestly, like I thought I was going to ring him and he was going to say, "Survivor, what? I haven't thought of that in 18, 19 years." 
don't bother me again. But it was the complete opposite, mate. He he loves what he he, he didn't know about us. But, uh, I've got him in touch with Lucinda. Lucinda's been wanting to speak to him as well. So I've managed to get those two back in touch with each other. And, mate, it's honestly, it's it's what I love about doing this podcast, mate. And to be able to track someone down, the oldest player, he's, he's 71 now and he was, he was 52 when he played the game, the oldest oldest member of the whole cast. And to be able to track him down and to, to find out that he, he still loves this game now and, and wants to talk about it, is it's going to make for a, uh, a fantastic interview later on. So I hope you're happy, Ben. I, I, it's six months' worth of work, but I've tracked him down. I want to take back what I said before about Sophie being the MVP of this episode. You, Matthew Dyson, <laughs> are the MVP of this episode. Um yeah, well, I mean, great work. This is, you're right what you said before, that you are a bloodhound and you, you've done so well in finding these people. I actually had a, a comment on Reddit. Somebody asked, how on earth do we find these people? And it's it's all down to Matt. I had a couple of connections myself, but um, this is this is fantastic. So are we, I mean, this is literally something we can talk about off air. We will talk about it off air, but are we saying that Craig's episode is still next week? Is Jeff's next week? Or is this an off air conversation and people will need to be surprised? No, yeah, it was, look, we'll still do Craig next week because obviously we, we've missed, um, we've missed Jeff's uh, episode, like his episode. Obviously he was the fourth member to be voted out of this, of this game. Um, so I think, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll start off the Tapara interviews with him first. I think that would be a good way to do it. But look, we're yeah, I'm st- still pumped to get Craig on. We're going to get him on, and and I think yeah, we'll get Craig out the way, and uh, we'll talk all things Kadena, and then we'll move into that Tapara stage. I think it will just be great. I mean, there's so much to talk about Tapara that we haven't heard before. So to get it from the guy that was voted out first out of that tribe, I think it will be a good a good chance to get his his version about what happened and 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 what his thoughts were on the tribe and who won and and everything in between. And the unique thing, too, actually, through all this, because this is something we haven't mentioned all episode. With Craig gone, Kadena's dead. Rip Kadena. Yep. We, are, we, are, we are out of our beloved Kadena members. And it is going to be interesting to go on this Tapara phase. And th- th- you're right. Like, it's going to be a good way to maybe start that Tapara phase with the Jeff interview, because, again, we, we didn't get that chat before. But, yeah, Kadena, sadly, probably will always go down as, on paper, the worst tribe in Australian survivor history, the Oolong of Australian Survivor. But I think you mentioned it maybe to Naomi or in an episode recently where you kind of enjoy Oolong more. You found... uh, Oolong. (laughs) I'm thinking about Palau again. Uh, Kadena more. And you kind of... You're rooting for him a little bit. And yeah, like, not to take away from Tapara, but I think kind of it's been fun. It's been interesting talking about all these Kadena members. We've obviously had the added benefit of talking to pretty much all of them as well. So it's going to be sad not to talk about Kadena, but it'd be a good way to close it out with Craig next week. And... uh, get into our blue tribe but um i'm overwhelmed matt you're making me emotional good job seriously but how good is it we're gonna get jeff brown on this podcast like that's that's pretty huge it is it is very huge and that kind of lays the foundations that we're going to be almost at like an 80 90 strike rate this season depending on how things play out with the rest because we're we'll just tease it we're fairly confident of the remaining ones uh there's maybe one that we are sort of a bit 50 50 on well there's and there's kind of a problem with two of the final three but we're obviously doing our best to, to cover that off the best we can when we get into that but um you know it's been a, a big joy of doing these episodes already as we've said many of times is to chat to these people learn some more and uh bring you guys an insight so matt bring in the surprises uh we're bringing you the guests and uh hopefully that brings some form of 
entertainment. And we'll be back next week with our chat with Craig. In the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe all the channels, Instagram. Again, we're posting back to posting every single day where we can. So we hope you're enjoying the content that we're putting out there. Still got a few of the buffs available for those uh, who haven't picked up a, one of them yet. So feel free to shoot us a, an email and we can uh, hook you up with one of those as well. And do remember that if we get to a 1,000 followers on Instagram, we get to see Matthew Dyson's audition tape from 2002. We get to 500. We get to see Matthew Dyson swing on a vine. We're at about 200 and... 12, I think, at the time of recording this. So still still a little bit of ways to go, but we're in this for the long haul. You know, we've got plenty of time to get there. So by the time we get to All-Stars, we might be up to 500. Who knows? I think uh, Facebook were up to 249. So that's nice and uh, that's building nice and good. So if, if we get 500 on Facebook or whatever, that all counts. So just keep... Also, 500 counts as a vine. Is this what yeah, you're talking about? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. If, 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 if 1,000 on Facebook, you'll yep. do the video? Yep. Oh, there we go. All right, there we go. Easy, easy peasy, people. Now he's opened it up. What if, what if we add up our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram followers? How does what does that count? No. You know what? Like, I'll, I'll think about it, Ben. I'll think about it. I'll see. What oh, I'm going to add them up now. I'm going <laughs> to add that up right now. All right. Uh, but thanks to everyone for for tuning in. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, as per usual. My name is Ben, and just like Jane, I suck. My name's been Matt Dyson, and I'm going to go molly coddling some people and walk up to the top of the mountain and see Muhammad. I was dealt a hand of cards in a way, but I've, I've kept one up the sleeve. The joke is still there. I don't want to sleep next to anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want anyone to look at me sideways. Jane's giving me the irks because, I mean, she woke up this morning with a sore stern and core thing and she can't walk down to the windmill. Jane's contribution to the tribe is minimal. Jane's being carried. Jane just doesn't contribute and she doesn't compete at all. Jane offers nothing physically, nothing mentally. She talks about food all the bloody time. She's useless. I say this in a in a sort of a non-up-myself way. <laughs> and I think they do respect me and they really sort of, like, admire me. Craig's doing my head in. He's just being a conspirator and a weasel. He's an asshole. Craig is a manipulative little snake. I find Craig's behaviour quite offensive. Woo! Craig has earned my respect, and I think he deserves the respect of everybody else in the tribe. Jonah's calling him the warrior. The warrior? Oh. I suggested that we get eight rocks together and you know, engrave something on it to make it, and made a little presentation around the fire to bring him into the fold, so to speak, and then vote him off. So I'm happy with that. What about the guys? They're going to kiss me as well? Come on! <laughs> Craig? <laughs> I'm a peas and mash and chop man. I can't do that. Did you just have a movement? Yeah. <laughs> What's that number? Six. Wow. For the first in 12 days, so it was not that kind. But I also wanted you to know that I'll be voting for you tonight. I've made a deal with someone and as a I keep my promise. Let him believe that I have made a deal and with another person that still exists and that's why you've got three votes and, you know, enjoy your time here but also watch your back.